the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. All right, Power Panel is in the studio. Uh, Robert Steinbach will join them at 4 o'clock. Jan Morgan not here today. She's getting ready to, or she may already be on her way to Jonesboro. She's doing a speech tonight for the Republican committee folks up there. in Craighead County, so are they having like a Lincoln Day dinner or yeah, something like yeah. that? Maybe what do they call it? Rockefeller Lincoln dinner? Is that what now? it is? I think that's what they, is it Reagan Rockefeller? Reagan is Rockefeller. Yeah, I think that's right. I'm not sure. Well, I'm not sure what they're different counties. What do you say, Mister President? <laughs> he says yes, Reagan Rockefeller. <laughs> <laughs> He's giving his voice of approval. He is giving his voice of approval to it. Well, I hadn't, uh, Paul. I I've seen you. Well, I saw you last Tuesday. Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. I haven't seen you, R.D. Well, you you had a daughter that had strep throat? Yeah, my family was sick. But last week, I I started, like I told you, the auto recyclers program. We started a mentorship program. We're trying to save family recycling business across the country. Yeah. So I took a mentor in Yakima, Washington, and I'm mentoring a yard in Yuma, Arizona. So I was in Yakima Valley, Washington, which was beautiful last week, the last part of last week. Uh, All the cactus were uh, blooming? No, no. (laughs) Wasn't any cactuses. The uh, cherries and the apples. Oh, Oh, you were in Washington. uh, And hot Washington, yeah. I had you down in Arizona. No, I'm going to Arizona uh, this Thursday. Oh, okay. So I'm going to Arizona this week. Where out in Arizona? Uh, it's like 93 degrees whenever I Are checked you going yesterday. South, south Arizona? Yes. Hey, I'm going right down on the border. Oh, it's really Yuma, hot. Uh, the, the mayor has declared a national emergency yep. in Yuma. You've been seeing that on the news. That's right where I'm going Thursday. All right. I mean, have you call in. Yeah, yeah. Have hey, you talking about it? Yeah, that, have that you tell me neat. what you're seeing down there? That would be neat. I've already checked. We know they have a concealed weapon license law down there, so I may have to ship it in may have to send that in my bag and you know yeah, pick it up when I get to, there. yeah you gotta now remember if you're gonna fly you gotta fill out the forms you gotta put your ammunition in the box that it came in you gotta make sure there's no bullets in your gun and it all has to be locked yeah. in your mm-hmm. in your carry-on luggage would it be any easier just to ship it through fedex or something like that I don't know if you can I, do that. Well, I, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the laws are for for shipping guns. I think when you're shipping guns, it's supposed to be federal firearms dealer to federal yeah, firearms I think so. dealer. Yeah. yeah, you can't order yeah. one from Mike Cabela's and have them send it to you. Right. House. Well, that's that's if you're buying so, one. I don't know what it'd be if you're shipping it to yourself. Yeah. But I've never I checked. Don't know. I've never checked. There'll be somebody there to greet you at. Uh, where you're <laughs> it up at. I'm just no. I'm just saying. I I took mine out when uh, the NRA had their big convention in phoenix a few yeah. years back i went and uh russ russ i remember this because uh, i had to fill out this form i had to have the little tiny locks on on the mm. on the cases and i had my, my 
I didn't know this part of it, and I had uh, my um, my shells in with the gun. Now, I didn't have them in the gun. I just in had them in it, yeah. in a box. And they go, no, 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 no. You got to have this in a, you know, in the box that you bought in the federal this. box or yeah, yeah. whatever. Huh? And so, just got a call from a guy who worked for FedEx for twelve years. Said, yeah. you cannot ship a gun anywhere through FedEx. No, period. That's really? Period. Okay. All right. That's good. That's to good. Know. I'm glad to know that. But the bottom line is. You remember the hassle I went through to take my gun with us to, to Phoenix, Arizona, to the NRA convention, Russ? Actually, I don't. That was a different producer. Oh, was it a different producer at the time? Okay. I, I know you call me by his name every time. Time. <laughs> How do I put this? Water under the bridge just seems like the same water year after year anymore. So bottom line, though, yeah, I had my... I had to, had, well, thanks for the advice. Uh, I'll make sure I follow the instructions. And thank you for our caller that's trying to keep us out of trouble. Yeah, too. we don't yeah, want you to go to that. jail, all right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't be doing 10 to 20. No. All, the, all the illegals be down there running around, that's and I'll it. be locked up. <laughs> you don't want that. Don't want that happening down there, brother. Speaking of illegals, uh, the, the mayor of uh, South Bend was at this... Uh, it was a Democratic like uh, town hall or whatever. I think CNN had it and was talking about sanctuary cities. And uh, here's what he had to say about it. Cut Would five. you support South Bend being a sanctuary city? So one of the things I've noticed because we were trying to figure out in South Bend what this meant when the Department of Justice was threatening mayors with withdrawing our uh, our JAG funds and, and grant funds uh, for the police department. Uh, based on whether we were a sanctuary city. They couldn't actually tell us what that means. Uh, I regard us as a welcoming city. Um, Some conservative talk show hosts may say that makes us a sanctuary city. I don't know. Here's what we do in South Bend. We make it very clear that our South Bend Police Department is not responsible for enforcing federal immigration policy. They've got enough to worry about. So you're a sanctuary city. And by the way, it's harder for them to do their job if residents in our community, many of whom are Latino and some of whom are immigrants and some of whom are undocumented, are uh, afraid to even talk to them, even if they know something that might help them address or prevent a crime, because uh, they've been led to believe that our local law enforcement, whose only responsibility is the safety of our community, are being conscripted somehow into doing the job of federal immigration authorities. So uh, uh, you can call it whatever you like. That's our policy. We're a welcoming city, and uh, I guess the president thinks America's full. Uh, we're not. I would be delighted <laughs> to have more people. We have a population growth strategy in our city. Our city was built for 130,000 people, but we only have 100,000 because so many people left after the auto factories collapsed in the 60s. Uh, we got plenty of room for more residents and taxpayers who want to help fund the snow plowing and, and, and the firefighters that I got to have for 130,000 people's worth of city with only 100,000 people to pay for it. And let us not forget that in many respects, from property taxes to sales taxes, undocumented immigrants are taxpayers. And the truth is, in many respects, because they are not eligible for a lot of benefits, they are subsidizing the rest of us, which is just one more reason we got to get this sorted out. I went through this. They're not, they can't get welfare, basically, is what he's saying at the end, and how much of BS that is, because it's not true they can get and do get they get lots of all welfare. kinds I mean, of public, public school is a really expensive yeah, form of welfare that they do get. 
But and they get free meals at the schools and and all the rest. But the bottom line is, is he's got Blanche Lincoln disease. He doesn't know how to answer a question simply. He, he tries. He around. tries. Yeah. He he tries to run the clock. That's what I call that. Running the clock. You start. You talk long enough, then you know the other guy can't ask you too many questions. Okay, spend 15 minutes saying nothing. It sounds like he needs to run for president. Isn't he on the Democratic side? <laughs> yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. yeah, he'd be a good president. In New Hampshire candidate. right now, he's uh, number three. Number one, Bernie Sanders with 30%. Number two, Biden with 18%. Number three is Pete here. With uh, 15%. Well, that sounded, I see, I didn't know that, but that definitely sounded like a Democratic president candidate. You know, he didn't know that, that he question. was running, huh? So, yeah. No, I didn't know he was running. I didn't know he was running, but I thought, man, he ought to run for president with that kind of yeah. answer. Right. Yeah, yeah. See, the Democratic Party's calling you right down, saying, yes, he yeah, is yeah, running he for is president. Running. Okay. If you liked his answer, you can vote for him but uh, in the primaries. But the bottom line is, is that... <laughs> You know, right now he's the new kid on block, and in fact, he's probably stolen a lot of uh, you know Beto's thunder from down in Texas. Is what's happened? Is, is he still a thing? Yeah, a little bit. He's lost a lot he's of a, his. He's a, char- he's a little thing. He's lost a lot of his charisma. He's because you know it's such a long process that you're bound to let what you really believe come out, and that's starting to happen mm-hmm. with him, and it's causing him problems. Didn't, didn't we see something a while back where he actually got arrested for drunk driving at one point? I don't remember. You know, I haven't really been paying you mean, a you, whole you, lot of attention. It sounds like the guy that just answered that question needed a drug test there. I don't think he's been in the real world very long. No. I don't think he's living in the real world. I don't know. What amazes me, I'm from there. I'm from Indiana. I know what Indiana is like, and that is not Indiana values right there. He must, he must make his home right next or on the campus of Notre Dame. That's all I can figure. That's so he's running. Lives for, right under Touchdown Jesus. So he's he's running for a presidential election. He's not running for an Indiana election. No, so you, you have to consider would who, not go who your far. audience is. <laughs> would not go far in Indiana with some of those. Thoughts that he has, to say the least. But I thought you'd like you like to hear because oh, yeah. that is exactly it's what comical. you're going to hear from just about every Democrat. Um, it'll it'll be interesting to see. I kind I kind of I'm kind of thinking that maybe the Democrat establishment is actually allowing some of these kooks to run during this cycle because they just to don't get it out of their blood, kind of to get it out of the system. <laughs> and, and well, because I I think they they probably kind of see the writing on the wall that Trump's going to win. And so if they can let some of their crazies um, kind of get it out of their system, well, maybe they can um, cool them off, and then they can a- actually run a candidate that might actually have a chance to win well, the, next, tell you what, the next election. The way the Democratic Party has put themselves together now, if you are moderate or lean right of center even a little bit, you don't have a chance. Not, no. not in primaries. In general election, you might have a chance, but you don't. Biden is in deep, deep kimchi because with the left for the. He's uh, not communist enough. No, for the primary. Yeah, he's he's but, he's still he's kind of like the Democrats from what ten or fifteen years ago, and and twenty five years ago the Democrats 
we're probably more conservative than a lot of Republicans today, and it, no and doubt about that. And it's uh, and and so the no the the, the kind of modern string of de- Democrats are just they're 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 hardcore socialists. It seems like yeah, and, and, they're, and, and, and they're kind of they're worshiping Harris, this uh, Warren, and Warren calls herself a, a capitalist and. That's just giving capitalism a that's, really bad name. Well, maybe and, she's and, and a crony just, capitalist. Just go form, on. Sort. No, no, she's no. not even a crony. Capitalist. She's not even good enough to be a crony capitalist. No, not when you start talking about you're going to pay for free education. You believe in medic Medicare for all, and all of that is not capitalist. That is all socialist. Crony socialists. Yeah, and maybe that, that may be true. <laughs> yeah, we've got a lot of that. True, but you know the family that I just went out and visited in in Washington. Wow, they uh, live in a state that's a socialist capital of the United States. Almost. That's exactly right. But this family, the owner there, he's originally from Mexico. He's an immigrant from Mexico, mm-hmm. and uh, he was born there. And uh, he came to the United States. He did it the legal way and filled out okay. the. Plan paperwork so what did he have to say did he did you get into any politics yes i got we had dinner one night uh-uh, so, here we go. so you know i this. can't stay out of politics so i told him i was i was uh uh a capitalist yeah and uh you know conservative don't mean anything anymore it used <laughs> to mean something but it don't mean anything more than that i was a capitalist republican and uh a free market capitalist Republican, and I asked him what he thought about the immigration problem that we were having right now since he was from Mexico, mm-hmm. and he said that, that there needs to be a legal way to do it. People need to do it the legal way, and he said most of the people crossing the southern border are not from Mexico right now. No, they're from and, Central America. And he said that uh, he said they better be checking the backgrounds of them because some of the people that are coming across are really bad dudes, and and we don't need them in the United States. Yeah. So, and that came from a, a gentleman that that's lived the American dream and still fighting to live the American dream and come here the legal way and he's got mostly Hispanics working for him and they are great guys they're all legal and hard working and uh, what did he have to say about the state of Washington and the the way it has gone so far left although I guess if you get to the interior and further to the south you have some bastions of of conservatism but if you're in any of the cities spokane or you're in you know seattle or any of those places you're in liberalville yeah he said that the uh that the taxes in washington has gone up considerably in the last 10 years and they've really raised the the gas taxes and the gas prices have really gone up considerably and he said that too many people don't want to work because uh, the government's you know, taking, that's, that's they can a make U.S. More money. problem now, isn't he it? He said that that he talks to people that uh, he said in Washington right now, if the uh, minimum wage is thirteen dollars an hour wow. in Washington right now, but at thirteen dollars an hour, people are better off not working than working for thirteen dollars an hour. So to get someone to work and get them off of welfare, it takes fourteen to fifteen dollars an hour to to inspire them to get their hands dirty maybe. and get out and do something. Hmm. Yeah, maybe. So uh, yeah. so he doesn't like it. He doesn't like it because uh, he's trying to make a living. Uh, his labor cost to his sales is really something that we're going to have to work on because the cost of, of everybody having everybody working, paying for everybody that's not working, 
uh, as cost of insurance and all these entitlement programs are making it hard for family a one family business to cover it. So uh, that's something that I was out there to try to help him work on. What's, uh, what are some of the things that you suggested to him? Well, they're going to have to uh, do uh, – uh, more crushed cars. They're, they're, they're taking cheaper recycled cars, end-of-life cars, and spending too much time on them. And there's not a fast enough cash flow on them. So uh, they're going to, on the end-of-life cars, they're going to pull two or three parts and crush them and make just a little bit of money on them and do uh, later model cars so we can have a higher price per invoice. The problem is with the cost of doing business today, if your average invoice in our industry is, is 50 bucks, then you can't pay everybody that it takes to create that invoice. So your average invoice needs to be up around 150 to $200. So we've got to get him some later model cars and uh, get his average uh, uh, sale per invoice up so he can – uh, cover the price of socialism. Wow. Well, newer cars have a tendency to, there's more parts that people want. Exactly right. So the older cars, like a nine, back in the 90s, uh, just buy them cheap, crush them, make a little bit of money, and go buy another one and don't spend any labor on them. So spend less, labor, and... yeah, spend less labor on the cheaper cars and use what profit you make on them to buy some newer cars. And uh, we're going to help you make it. We're going to help you make it. This is. I I was talking to RD about this some earlier. RD actually does this for free. He goes and helps these people, and he actually pays his way up there. That's he's just because he's doing. He's doing it because he's a nice guy. I'm impressed with that. All right, we got to get a break in. Uh, While we're talking about uh, you know some place like Sunny's, let's talk a little bit about Sunny's here. I'm one of your favorite customers. You bet. We're I'm, going to I'm send more you a Christmas card I'm this more year. Than one of, I'm more than one of those $50 guys. I've, I've been trying to work things out for you. But, you know, I just want to give a personal thanks to you because you've done a lot of uh, searching for me and you found the necessary uh, engines and transmissions that I have needed, and uh, they haven't missed a stroke, man. They've been doing well. You know, like I was talking about, there's a difference. We buy total lost cars that still had a lot of miles and a lot of life left in them and were totaled out. So whenever we get the parts off of those cars, the parts aren't worn out. There's, they still yeah, have the life left in them. engines typically are working and so are the transmissions. Yeah. I showed a, a guy, I said, how do you know that car was running one day? And I turned the picture of the screen around and showed him the car when I bought it. And I said, it looks like it's running at least 100 to me. <laughs> <laughs> and he laughed real big. I said, man, it was moving when it wrecked. Yeah. It was doing good. So, but we test all our parts and give, you know, one to three year warranty on them. And we even give labor warranty for one year so we can cover parts and labor yep. for a year. So uh, we'll give you confidence that you're getting a good part that's going to be a good investment for your family. Well, I'll tell you what, here's the best, uh, you know, I, that I can say is that to, in the last few years with my uh, SUV, I haven't been taking it on vacation. Uh, I'm doing it this year because that car is not missing a beat now. That's great. That's why we want people to have confidence in what we do. That's the reason we do what we do, and 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 we do it for half price of what new, That's right. half price of what new or rebuilt will do. And our warranties have unlimited mileage on them, so uh, we have a dis, uh, time warranty, and you put as many miles on them as you want to. All right, Sunny's Auto Salvage, place to go. Quick, give them a number. All right, five zero one nine eight two seven four five one. You call RD or call one of his associates right at Sunny's 
Auto Salvage. Okay, back. We got a minute before we get to the first news break. So uh, let's uh, sit here and just talk for a few moments. Uh, I'm sitting here. I'm trying to figure something out about uh, 7-Up. 7-Up used to have something in it. And what was it? And I think it was lithium. You know what lithium is? Okay, it's a drug. Lithium. Yeah, I thought yeah. that's what lithium batteries or something. Lithium, like what, lithium citrate or something. People take like lithium. That? What do they take it for? Um, if you're having a heart attack, isn't that what you put into you take, your no, tongue? You take nitroglycerin for oh, that. Yeah, yeah. nitroglycerin, yeah. Lithium. You know, lithium. I remember uh, what lithium is for. There's I'll something specific that, you, that they use lithium for. Of course, for, Coca Cola was called Coke because it had cocaine in it <laughs> when it was first. Uh, put out because it was legal then all right news all right back with you dave ellswick show rd is here paul's here just talking a little job with rd and seeing if tim snow get but tim is a guy that i met during the uh the session uh he's a guy who's getting his own tree service going and so he came over and and uh, did the work on my front yard and trimmed up all the trees and and whatnot did a fantastic job. I'd highly recommend him to you. Uh, and because he's trying to get something started, you know, he's being very, very aggressive in his pricing and uh, would be worth your time to, to talk to him. He's, you, a, he's yeah. a good guy. You, you got his card me, with you? Let me. Um, with his number? I'm going to pull up his phone number we'll right now. I'll give you his number. Um, it is 501 253 3036. Again, five zero one two five three three zero three six. Yeah, so I'm going to I'm going to use him again. We're just talking to Paul. If he agrees to it, mm-hmm. I think he will. Yeah, I think I've got I've got some debris that I need moved by my house. It's old tree parts. Boy, I've got a pecan tree at my business that I think it was there during the Civil War. <laughs> <laughs> Big, <laughs> it <huh>? is huge. <laughs> it's got some limbs on uh, it, you know, the, yeah, the, the, at the base. Need to take the pecan tree. I, I bet you there's some big barbecuers who would love it. Would. Yeah, that's right. But boy, I need somebody to put that thing on the ground. I got some limbs falling well, out of this, it. I'm going to tell you, he can do it. <laughs> Timothy can probably come out Tim and do it. Tim can do it. Yeah. He can do it, and yeah. he'll do it for a decent price. Yeah, so Timothy, I don't know if some of you all know that I used to, I had a tree tree service probably about 10 years ago. And I mean, wait, you stop right there. Uh-huh. Have you ever talked to him when he was doing his trees? Well, I, I remember when then. I remember I, when yeah. he was doing it. Can I can I share that information what you I asked how much you made? Oh, I was making about $100,000 a year when I was in my early 20s. Everybody listened <laughs> yeah. to that, all right? You there's people that are sitting out there right now wondering how they're ever going to make it. And I'm just telling you, if you got a little intuitiveness, if you want to get out and do some work. I work like a dog. It, well, that's yeah. sometimes that's what you got to do. Yeah. No, I was I was probably 21 or 22 making about $100,000 a year, and I worked like a dog. And I he's still on. not married because he refuses it to share with, with a, a woman. <laughs> no. <laughs> I would actually like to find a wife, so if, you, if anybody wants no, to oh, send one my way. Hey, I've but, seen um, the application. I'll tell you what, too long, too long. <laughs> 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 no, I didn't want to make it. I know that you, you're a landlord now, but what made you switch from doing that? You just start well, feeling I mean, the, the pain of getting up in those trees no, and stuff? No, not really. Um, I kind of I made some money. Early yeah. on, and so I started buying rental houses. I, one of the guys that, that helped me out was working with me. His um, his family had a rental property, and so he kind of 
helped my, some kind of gave me some some um, some help with that there and um he was a friend of mine and um so i started buying rental property and and then i i had enough that at, at one point where i just kind of stopped doing tree work i wondered why you've been late lately this last year you started wearing a monocle i was wondering <laughs> i was kind of wondering about that <laughs> no no so so anyway but timothy's a good friend of mine timothy snow there is a good friend of mine and um and so I kind of encouraged him. To I get count him as a work. friend now too. Yeah, he's he's, he's, been up he's a he's a, a smart he, guy. He's a good kid. He actually worked for my brother for a couple, two or three years with my brother's tree service. And so he learned. Uh, so he learned some of that then and there. And um, and then I how not to cut yeah. the limb behind where you're standing. <laughs> the key the key to this is get a job working for a profession, and don't worry about if they're paying you. Ten dollars or fifteen when you're young and you don't have a family and learn a profession. There is people that I have worked for that I could have worked for free for a couple of years and benefited and benefited mm-hmm. for them because the education that yep. I was getting from working for them was worth twice as much as what but the they federal were government me. won't let you do that. Well, and the thing right. is, that, you know, I think I even back when I first started, I didn't really know much about it, but I just started. And I, I think I actually called and asked one or two of the different tree services in my area if I could just come and work with them, I think even for free, so I could learn. They wouldn't do it. They who, could who do wants, it. Who well, wants to train their competition, if yeah, nothing else? Well, but that, and they, they, they maybe wouldn't. You they got maybe hurt, weren't allowed to. They're going to have to but, take care of you. But they also knew why I was doing oh, it. Oh, okay. So I, I actually told them why I wanted to come help them, so so they maybe they didn't want to um, educate their competition. But so anyway, but it, it worked out for me, and it was just one of those things that I knocked on a lot of doors trying to find business. Knocking on doors is not a lot of fun. No. Uh, find business. But I did it and, it, and it worked out for me, and I made some money doing it. Another thing I did to make money when I was younger, I, um, I hung a lot of Christmas lights. I used to make about $100 an hour hanging Christmas That's lights. That's a good business. I, do you remember Glenn Gallus? Used to, I do, yeah. you know, from up down Garland County. Yeah, I know Glenn really well. I, Glenn and I were very, very close friends, and uh, he he went to Waco uh, to expand his business, mm-hmm. and that was where he made a huge amount of money at, in the winter time. Making Christmas, hanging, hanging Christmas, Christmas wow. lights, man. If somebody can do that and do it well. Mm-hmm. All you got to do is get the get your name out and get and show that you can do what you say you're mm-hmm. doing, and you can make some big well, money. You I know, prefer to do my work on the ground. Well, that, and that's one of those. <laughs> I know what you're saying. Hanging Christmas lights is one of those things that once you kind of learn how to do it, you can do it pretty quickly, mm-hmm. and people like it because they're they're happy. They're not having to get on a ladder the house and looks spin. Better it than looks, when they do it. It, it does <laughs> because you know once you do half a dozen of them or, or a dozen of them in the course of uh, the season. Um, and there's no telling how many hundreds of houses I did over the course of the years. Is but, that why people call you Griswold sometimes? Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, I didn't have a beard at the time. Yeah, but um, <clears throat> do you ever slide off the roof like on my on my TV show? That's what I'm saying. You know, I didn't yeah. actually fall Christmas off. Vacation. I, I think I only kind of fell off a ladder one time. I was I was um, standing on a step ladder, and it was uh, the, the I was actually putting lights on the gutters. Right. And this was a house that had really strong gutters on it. The, the step ladder fell out from under me. I, I was actually able to put my weight on the gutters, and it didn't pull the gutter wow. down. Wow! I was impressed. Good. I was on the it was on a corner, so it was extra strong. But somebody built those gutters well, and I didn't even tear them up hardly. I mean, it was it was I was in a 
So I was able did to you get on the top of the the roofs. Did you have your own cherry picker? No, no, no. I um I would climb the roofs and I would <laughs> I would um I would stick to the side of it for the most part. And some Spider-Man. of those houses had pretty. <laughs> I was accused of being Spider Man from time to time, <laughs> but um I, I would find some shoes that were pretty grippy. Yeah. Sometimes I'd get a piece of like foam that'll help you stick to the roof as well. And um, roofer, you'll see that roofers do that from time to time. But so I would climb around the roofs and, and hang Christmas lights that way. And it was kind of fun. Doing he decided Christmas lights. that was too dangerous, so he took up swimming. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Holding his going. breath under the water. And, 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 trying to breathe under the water. That's an interesting story. I didn't. I didn't take up swimming laps for exercise <laughs> until I went with Christian Olson for the first time. Oh, Christian Olson. Christian Olson got me into swimming laps. How is um, he doing now? You know, he's um he's, he's, got, he's, he's got a second baby. Yeah. And um you know, I don't remember who he's working for now. He's still working um I think for one of the government agencies. Okay, so he's not working directly with the governor any longer? No, I don't think so. I think he may be working with um uh I don't it's one of the departments, I think. Okay. But, you know, um, Christian was for you who've followed my career here in Arkansas. Christian and Josh Mesker mm-hmm. and uh, and Whitney, Whitney Davis, Davis were all part of my youth, youth power panel, panel. Yep. and they were very very good. And they all, except for Whitney, Whitney went where the money was. Uh, <laughs> Josh and and Christian both went into politics. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Chris, or not Christian Whitney is working for uh, Texas Instruments. Texas Instruments. And the last time I talked to her, she was traveling to the to China. I think over to, there by the Great Wall of China, working mm-hmm. some stuff with the, the Chinese. Yeah, she's and she's she she's had some interesting is smart woman. She's pretty sharp, and, and she's she's had some um, some interesting experiences with that. I think she was she was mentioning one time that. I think one of the reasons why they don't build factories over here for building their parts is because the factories over here are too slow. Yeah. You can't get them going in time. Well, they got to so go through all the, the, the jump paperwork. through all the hoops. And so it's and so if you can go to maybe Hong Kong or some some place like that where you can get a factory up in like 2 days as opposed to here where you have to plan ahead 3 or 4 or 5 years and then by that time the technology's old. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's uh, it's like that's why we we don't have a lot of uh places that can take the oil and make it into gas we don't have refineries mm-hmm. because just to get it started you got to jump through hoops for about eight years that's insane well i worked for three years to start an auto recycling facility in fayetteville and they I got screwed three out years of it. and then after the three years then the fire marshal wouldn't sign the civil engineering plan that i'd followed to a t because he had a buddy that had us that had an auto recycling facility so i tell you what the politics and is uh can be a very funny thing sometimes yeah, it's, it's it wasn't funny at the time no it wasn't funny mm-hmm. at the time i survived it but yeah it's it's kind of sad when we're supposed to be a free country and we don't even make the top 10 anymore for, for economic liberty no no we and, don't and we're in the 20s are we in the 20s yes, now oh are. wow i was actually having a discussion with a state representative um over the last couple of days about this, it's a, the state representative is a Democrat, and she was talking about how how this licensing is so good for us. We and it's, and it's, it's perfectly consistent with with freedom. No, it's slavery. Is it I'm, is it the the Democrat that I know so well too? Um, you know who she is. Okay, um, All right. I think I know who we're talking about. But 
the 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 thing is that you know, there's so many different ways where the government subjugates us and turns us into slaves, and you know. It's, it's one thing for government to come along and say, you know, you can't hurt people with your products. You can't do things that are dangerous to people that, that cause a serious risk. That's, that's one thing. But it's another thing to come along and say, you know what, you've got to prove to us that you're not hurting people. In other words, you got, we, we think you're guilty. Prove you're not. And, and so basically they start off with you being guilty until you can prove your innocence. And that's not freedom. Well, That's I would slavery. like for once for us to have a session in the state of Arkansas, and when it was over, that we felt like we had more freedom and less government after the session was over. That'd be nice. Now, I, I'd like to see You're not that holding one your time. breath. <laughs> no, I, I, you know, I, I'll be burying you. <laughs> <laughs> and we know about holding breath. That's a pipe dream. Yeah, but, um, yeah, it is a pipe dream. Yeah, I, no, I, I do believe that. I, I'm afraid that, you know, about the only thing that might make that happen is if we had some, some major economic upheaval that – that sends sends us into kind of severe poverty for a while. I to, would hate to, actually, to see that happen. It, it would be miserable, but but I'm afraid that that might be about the the only thing that would motivate these people to actually cut government to the point that we could actually function. If you study history, his, it's history always repeats taken. itself. It's always been a crash and burn and rebuild policy. There's never been a, a you know headed to too high overhead and unbearable, and then reform it to where it's a conservative you know, socialism and save it. It's always gone yeah, too far socialist and too far. It doesn't correct peacefully. No, it usually that's doesn't. Sad. Now, we've tried, and we're going to continue to try. I think that's why we take time to do these radio shows and and, and try to educate people on what's going on with business and, and, and with our government saying, you know, we can only afford so much. There's only so much free that you're, that the workers and the businesses can afford. All right, got to get take a break. Then we'll come back, finish up this hour uh, as we get into the next, uh, you know, part of the show. Uh, I've got some interesting subjects that were broached by some Democrats that want to get the nomination so they can run for president. And when you hear what they have to say, you're going to run, run to be able to vote for uh, Donald Trump again. All right. PI Roofing Home Solutions, they've now uh, picked up Tommy's gutter cleaning services. So instead of just uh, getting PI Roofing's great comprehensive roofing and home repair expertise, now they'll even come out and give you that great professionalism that they have for gutter cleaning. Some of you still uh, clean gutters uh, for uh, your homes. Don't have to do that anymore. You give PI Roofing a call to find out their number and whatnot. I'm going to make this as easy as I can. Go to PI Roofing. That's one word, PIRoofing.com. If you need a roof, they can handle that. If you need some home repair from some, uh, you know, uh, uh, leaks that you've had in your roof, or maybe somebody like my son-in-law put his foot through the ceiling uh, from the uh, uh, garage attic, uh, they'll take care of that for you as well. Just go to piroofing.com. So this has been kind of fun uh, this hour. I hope that you've enjoyed listening to a couple business owners talking about what it takes to make it. I mean, Paul, he's kind of, I think you kind of look at yourself like Jefferson or something, don't you? You know, you you can do a little bit of everything. I, I, I get my fingers in a lot of different things. Um one of my latest projects is not a business project. It's kind of a, a, a fun project, but I'm I'm building a boat out of stainless steel. 
Are you really? So I, 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 bought a, I bought a new welder the other day. I bought a TIG welder. I've never had a TIG welder before. What is a TIG welder? A TIG welder is a, a welder that's, um, that uses a, TIG, uh, uh, sorry, uses a tungsten electrode. Yeah. And you typically use it with argon. People use it kind of for finer work. You use it for aluminum or maybe stainless steel or or some of the other kind of stuff where you do finer work. If, you, if you've got a little more rougher work, so it's for cutting, then? No, no, it's for welding. Oh, for welding. It's for okay. welding. And if you've got um, a little a more coarse work, you might use a wire feed welder, or otherwise known as a MIG welder. Or if you've got some really rough work, you might use a stick welder. And um, But a TIG welder is kind of, the, kind of a, 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 a welder for fine work. And so, okay, so the stick welder is what probably I'm most used to seeing right, that out in the been, steel mill, right? That, well, with, the, the, with the pieces sticking out. Right. 6014 welder. There you go. Well, yeah, with the with um, stick welder, it's it's handy for using outdoors. You can use it when it's windy. You can you can use it in in pretty harsh environments where it's it's not very convenient. Whereas a both a MIG welder and a TIG welder, you have to have you generally have to have um, more controlled environments because they don't like like it when it's windy because the gas the, they use a shielding gas and that usually blows away if it's windy. And um, a stick welder is is pretty um, versatile for. Lots of different farms, okay. farm use, and you can you can weld heavy stuff with it, like on a bridge or something like that as well. Sometimes. Right. So I was talking to my son uh, over the weekend. I took family out to have uh, Easter dinner mm-hmm. or Resurrection Sunday, and got them all together. And he was telling me he works. I don't know the name of the company, but he works with a printing company mm-hmm. that runs a lot of the stuff that you get in your mailbox on tuesdays and wednesdays (laughs) so he he does a lot of that said that they had a piece of equipment that got to be ready to be installed and it's too tall so the company uh has bought some kind of new torch Mm mm-hmm that will cut right through steel, evidently. It's, it's so maybe a plasma torch. A plasma, that's exactly yeah. what it was. And sure. said yeah, that plasma it is, torches are pretty cool. Said it, he said, he's been watching them doing it, says, Dad, that's so cool. Like cutting butter. Yeah, yeah got, that's what he said. I've, I've Three got, inches of steel and just cut right through oh, it. Oh, wow, no, that's a big heavy no one. No problem. Yeah, a plasma torch is kind of neat. They're, um, basically what it does is it shoots air or maybe nitrogen through an arc, and so it gets it really super hot, and it'll cut through steel pretty nice. Wow. You said it was it's just amazing to watch it do its thing, you know? Yeah. I've, I've got one of those. I don't have one. Probably. So can you look at it while it's doing that without it hurting your um, eyes like the welders? You know, you can't so really stare at them unless you have the, something. The plasma some is about as bright as a welder. Uh-huh. But a lot of times I might wear sunglasses. You don't have to look directly at it when you're using right. it so much. And it's also a pretty small um, stream. And so a lot of times I wear sunglasses. Sometimes I might, if I have to look at it more, I might put on a welding hel- helmet. Get that thick, uh, that thick color the, the dark, so you can look through the it. dark um, lens. But typically, a plasma torch. The way I use it, I'll just wear sunglasses. Right. But with a welder, you have to wear a, you need to wear something dark. Otherwise, you'll be half blind for the next. Pretty cool. You gonna buy one of those too? I have one. You already got a plasma mm-hmm. torch. Mm-hmm. I gotta come out to your place. Yeah, I've got some fun toys. I know you want me to come out to you know shoot, you some, shoot deer some deer out there. Yeah. But the bottom line is, I come out to my shop see sometime. all the stuff that you yeah, got, got out a, there. You must have got quite some, the shop out there. I've got. I used to have all that stuff and used it regularly mm-hmm. until the insurance company says uh, if you use any a torch or a welder or anything on your property, we will not pay for a fire if you cause one. 
Mm. So we had to remove all of those. Really? That's crazy. Yeah, so we had to do different things to well, get it done because uh, I tell you what, insurance companies rule the world. They they can start fires. <laughs> I, I've I've actually set my own shop on fire before with that kind of stuff. My brother set it on fire one time too. Just you know when it gets real dry outside. Yeah, I'm not paying and, um, attention. And um, I, yeah, I think I think it was my brother actually set the shop on fire by using a grinder outside. Oh, it, shooting some sparks yep, around because the fact is that stuff catches on fire when you drop hot metal on. Real it. easy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look. You can be driving a car, and you get a flat tire, and let's say you pull off the road and it's on the grass. Those catalytic converters get so hot under your car, it will set the grass yep. on fire. And then if you don't pay attention, it'll set your whole car on fire. That's yep. not a good yeah, thing. Yeah, no, fire's a real, a real issue, especially if you're know, in a, in a, in a salvage operation where you're, where you're wrecking out used cars. Oh, definitely. Somebody leaves a gas tank exposed, and there's still a little bit of gas in it. And someone goes to using a grinder or something like that and set the, set those fumes on fire, and all of a sudden wow. you've got a bomb sitting inside the shop. Yeah, it's not good. This is not good. Yeah, but so you got ch- we're, we're teaching some things. Keep these things in mind, all right? Yep. All right, let's get a break in, and we come back. What does uh, Kamala Harris and Bernie Sanders have to say about voting and voting rights? You might be stunned. <laughs> You'll hear it. When we come back here on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, second hour of a Tuesday show. Power panel is in minus one. I like doing it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jan Morgan not here today. She'll be back next Tuesday. She's up in Jonesboro in Craighead County. She'll be uh, at the Reagan-Rockefeller dinner there tonight. And she's the guest speaker uh, this evening. But she'll be back with us. Four o'clock, Robert Steinbach is going to join us, so we'll have a full power panel at that point. But right now, it's myself along with R.D., and R.D. is the owner, operator, main bottle washer over at Sonny's uh, Auto Salvage. They do a great job. We talked about that last hour. And then uh, Paul Calvert is here as well, and he's been part of the power panel almost since the adult inception of this. I mean, <laughs> haven't you? I mean, seriously. Yeah, I think, I think we did we start it? With me? Yeah, with you, and I forget one other person. Um, I forget who um, it was that was with us. Crow, David Crow. David Crow. Yeah, was, David was Crow was there. Yeah. And, and then we had uh, Buddy Fisher. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Sweetness. I hope he's Buddy listening. He listens. Buddy listens, and Buddy was he knows here. what I'm doing about that. <laughs> All right. He could do sweetness really good. He, those, he would uh, do the doctor, high pitch, do, yeah. Yeah, Dr. Pepper commercials. He could do that guy really well. Mm-hmm. Anyway, uh, uh, they've gone on to bigger and better things. I think Buddy left because he had a new granddaughter that he wanted to just kind of. Yeah, I still see he posts pictures of oh, her on yeah, Facebook. All the she's, time. A, she's a cutie. She's, she's a cute little kid. Yeah, she's a great little kid. And then David Crow has been doing uh, some work over in Conway. A lot of a lot of work over there. Janet, you know, is a sidekick over there. Better known as his wife. <laughs> so, you know, it's more they, of a they, side they, they, they are married. They're not just yes, the yeah, boss. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, she's the boss. <laughs> That's the best way to put it. But uh, in, but then R.D. joined up with us. I've always, the, the power panel always had to have kind of a small businessman mentality to it. It's what I always wanted. And, uh, uh, you know, David Crow was with us when the, the Tea Party was really, roaring along and he would come on and and, and join us uh, glenn gallus was on that show as well carl kimball fills in from time to time mm-hmm. very knowledgeable guy has been 
Uh, he's got a small business very, here in the yeah, area. Yeah, he's got an insurance business. Advertises on the station, in fact, mm-hmm. at times. But uh, it's, uh, I'm trying to think of the name of it right now. It starts with a C. It's over there on... Uh, hmm. I can't think Chenal of Insurance Chenal, Agency. Yeah, Chenal Chenal Insurance. Agent, but he's not on Chenal. He's out on Highway 10, okay. right there by uh, across the street from the Kroger. Hmm. Big Kroger in the Sonics. Always fun That's to have him on. Okay. Yeah, he's a great guy. He, what's great about Carl, if I have any questions about history, he can oh, answer them. Yeah, he's got a, he's got a degree in history, history, he's got his degree, he? yeah. All the way back medieval to medieval history. history. <laughs> yeah, he's got that down. Yeah, he's yeah. a, he's he a can, fun He guy. can talk about that. He likes, he, he's pretty knowledgeable about cars as well, I think. Didn't, didn't he say he used to do some racing? Yes, he used to race. Wow. Yeah, he, he, he did a lot of stuff like that. Wow. And he just bought a uh, another car. Uh, he got himself one of those new Genesis that uh, I think is it Hyundai that makes them. Yeah, it's a high end Hyundai. Yeah, it's like a Mercedes Benz. And he Hyundai. said that wow. it, he They're wants. Nice. To, he said he's got to come over and take me out to lunch one day, and uh, and I would. I bet you he's calling. Phones ringing. I bet you he's <laughs> going to call me. But anyway, bottom line is that uh, he wants to take you for a ride. Yeah, he wants to take me for the ride. He said it is awesome. It's a pretty peppy little car. It's an awesome. Uh, oh wow! Oh, well, Jan Morgan decided to call him. Well, this is cool. Hello, Jan. Are you? Hey, are you Dave, in, I just wanted to. I wanted to drop in and say I miss you guys. And uh, we're on the road. Reggie's driving me. We're on the road to uh, Jonesboro, so uh, we're going to be talking to all the folks there. But and we're going to talk to them about uh, the house cleaning we need to do inside the Republican Party. How we need to tighten things up and and make sure Republicans are, you know, voting like Republicans and and just do some general education work. Well. Yesterday, I had about a 15-minute dis- uh, discussion with uh, Robert Steinbach and Brenda and Joe of, uh, you know, uh, Conduit News, and I asked a simple question. I said, when somebody runs the, as a Republican, do they not have to sign a form saying that they will adhere to the Republican Party platform? And right. they don't. I thought no, they that don't. you did. You don't, and I'm. I think that's something that needs to be rectified. Well, the, the t- it get- does. There, there is, let me tell you, Dave. This last session, I got to spend some time at the Capitol, uh, thanks to your show, because I was up there anyway doing your show. I got to spend some time talking with Republicans, and I can't tell you how many Republican legislators I've just sat down and just visited with who who told me they did not know what was in the Republican Party platform. And then I did argue with a few of them who said, well, they know what's in the platform, but it's subjective and it's subject to interpretation. Oh. And so, yeah, yes. And so, yeah, I, I, but, but in general, the Republicans, I talked to some freshman Republicans, and they did not know. They didn't know about limited government and, and why taxes, tax increases uh, grows government and why increasing spending grows government. Uh, so these are things, and, and one of the legislators I talked to who actually voted in favor of the gas tax increase, mm-hmm. you know, he was well, most he felt of them awful. Did. By the time I finished visiting with him, he felt awful because he said, I did not, I did not know that that's growing government and that increasing <laughs> taxes is not part of the Republican Party platform. And he said the reason he did it is because he was pressured by, you know, upper seniority level Republicans, leadership within the party. And he said, you know, if, if, if those guys who've been around here say this is what we need to do to help the state, I just, he said, I just did what, 
what I was told to do. Yeah. And I said, well, you know, it's Not time for you to, do to start uh, doing what you're supposed to do that you promised to do by the people. So uh, a lot of educating to do. Um, that's that's what I'm going to talk about tonight. Well, what are they serving tonight? Rubber chicken or what? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's it's. Uh, I think it's Italian food. Oh, here's, okay. here's something I want to tell you, Dave. And this, if, if, I just kind of want to part on this today. Thomas Jefferson said this. He said, "I know no safe depository of the ultimate powers of society, but the people themselves. And if we think them not enlightened enough to exercise their control with the wholesome discretion, the remedy is not to take it from the people, but to inform their discretion by education. That is the true corrective of the abuses of constitutional power, and that is kind of the center point of what I want to talk about tonight and get people." involved uh, and try to get them out there educating people about what this party stands for, what it means to be a conservative, and how we can take our state back. All right. Well, Jan, use that and then use my famous, my most precious Thomas Jefferson quote. As Which fr- one is that? As freedom dies, government grows. Hey, that one's easy for everybody to remember. I yeah, like that. That's an easy okay, one. Okay, you guys. Have a good time. Well, I miss see you, you today, and I will see you all next Tuesday, okay? All right. We will do, Jan. Thank you so okay. much for calling in. Now, I understand that somebody called me and called Russ and said I've been using his name in vain. <laughs> Is that right, David Crow? No, I just had to rag on Russ. But uh, I heard my I heard my name come up, and you guys have got it right. Janet is the boss. Uh, is. And, and on top of that, she's hot. But uh, yeah, there she, you go. Uh, so did she give but, you a raise uh, with a minimum wage increase? I think so. I don't know. I don't, I'll, I'll check on that. I'll, he I'll does not get an allowance. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right. But I just thought I'd call. I mean, you guys were going down memory lane there, and we're talking about, uh, you know, Glenn Gallus and the and the all of us that have been on the on the show together and Buddy and everything. And those are some really really good times, and had some great times at the tea party and with you guys. And I'm still a a staunch conservative, and you'll you'll from time to time hear me. But uh, also, I'm following my my heart right now. I'm working with. Uh, on the board of directors with Renewal Ranch. And, yes. And, and Dave, you know that that's been a, a passion of my heart for years. David, and, David, uh, bring, some, bring me up to date. Has the state done anything with them? I mean, I, we had heard that they were going to do something, and then all of a sudden it went silent. Anything at all happening? It's, it's still silent right now. It's still silent. But uh, let me tell you, uh, there's some really, really, really good things uh, happening at Renewal Ranch, and men are uh, coming to know the Lord, and uh, families are being renewed, mm-hmm. and uh, men are just uh, uh, recovering from their addictions, and it's just a um, just a, a lovely uh, organization. And obviously, there's there's pain and hurt, you know, with uh, with recovery. Right. Uh, but it is just such a just what such a wonderful ministry and just uh it's just it's it's a pleasure for me to be asked to be back on the board and I just uh just love it every moment of it. Well you keep doing I'm gonna tell you what, that's more important to do what you're doing with them than ever what you did with politics. Well thank you. I thank mean seriously so much. It's a serious well, it's serious. It is. I mean it, it's eternal. 
It yeah. really is. It's eternal. Yeah, you can't say that about politics. What? <laughs> no, you can't because it changes by the moment, doesn't it? It sure does. It uh, does. Especially when, especially when we elect them on what they want to run on, and all of a sudden, within moments, they change to go a different direction. That's right. Boy. Well, isn't that painful? <laughs> listen, thanks, thanks for calling in. I appreciate oh. it. I may be out uh, to Faulkner County to your Republican dinner that you guys are having, I believe, this weekend, if I'm not mistaken. So I, not I, may, sure. be, I may be checking in and seeing what's going on out there. Gotcha. But, uh, gotcha. Maybe, maybe not. I'm not. I'm not okay. a big. I'm. I'm not a big rubber chicken guy. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he I could understand. come to the tea party meeting and have pizza, couldn't he? Yeah, well, that, that's Absolutely. different. Pizza is a different thing. They're not, they're not even at doing pizza anymore for yeah, the tea party in Conway. They're fish. at the, one of those yeah. fish house places. Oh, really? Right, right. Is it, what yeah. is it? Yeah. Is it um, Eat My oh, Catfish? Eat or something like Eat My Catfish. That's I think right. It's, eat oh, my they're kind of across from I Walmart. I can't say yeah. that with a street face. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, I just wanted to call I'll let you go, I've got to get back to some work here, but you guys carry on. All right. Say hi to Janet for me. Thanks. I'll do it. All right. Okay. Bye-bye now. Yeah. Right. Bye-bye. David Crow, yeah, good guy. Was an integral part of the show for many years. And then, uh, you know, Lord gets uh, talking to you and wants you to do something else. And who's to say no to God? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you just don't say yeah. no to God. You know, I think most of us believe that uh, God is the answer for the problems of this country, you know, uh, not the government. Well, and I think a lot of times the government gets in these people's lives and actually messes them up worse and sometimes some of these no pro- doubt some of these programs like what david is, is is helping with is is actually quite a blessing for some of these men all right break then we'll come back kamala harris but first barry sanders on voting in america okay so i'm trying to help you decide who you're going to vote for Especially if you're going to vote in the Democrat primary. There's a lot of choices. Yeah, there are a lot of choices. Not any good ones so far that I'm aware of, but but there's a lot of choices. It would be even more. Uh, Was it Sunday? Sunday, CNN had a town hall, and I think Sanders was there, Harris was there, Pete was there, and I think uh, Klobuchar was there from Minnesota, who, to me, out of everyone— is the only one that I think really has live brain cells. But uh, I said Barry Sanders. That's not Bernie. Bernie yeah. Sanders. Barry Sand. If 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 Bernie Sanders had as great of of political thought as Barry Sanders had moves in football, he might be formidable. All right, but. He doesn't have that. Please, at, at do, sir, is he, he doesn't have to do anything except promise everybody something for free. free. That's, well, free that, education. That's what Warren free is this, doing. Free that. I'll yeah. play that for you in just a moment. But yeah. anyway, is Bernie the undead candidate? Uh, yeah. Here's what Bernie had to say about voting. Listen to this. That people with felony records should be allowed to vote while in prison. Does this mean that you would support enfranchising people like the Boston Marathon bomber, a convicted terrorist and murderer? Do you think that those convicted of sexual assault should have the opportunity to vote for politicians who could have a direct impact on women's rights? Okay, thank you for the question. And, uh, and let me just say this. What our campaign is about and what I believe is creating a vibrant democracy. Today, as you may know, we have one of the lowest voter turnouts of any major country on earth. I want to see us have 
one of the highest voter turnouts. And by the way, what we are seeing is more young people getting involved in the political process, but not enough. And in my view, if young people voted at the same percentage that older people voted in this country, we would transform this nation. But to get to your point, we live in a moment where cowardly Republican governors are trying to suppress the vote. And in fact, right here, as you may know, in New Hampshire, the legislature and the governor are working hard to make it more difficult for young people to vote. And to me, that is an incredibly undemocratic, un-American process. And I say to those people, by the way, if you don't have the guts to participate in free and fair elections, you should get another job and get out of politics. All right. So we got to. So here is. And to answer your question, as it happens in my own state of Vermont, from the very first days of our state's history, what our Constitution says is that everybody can vote. That is true. So people in jail can vote. Now, here is my view. If somebody commits a serious crime, sexual assault, murder, they're going to be punished. They may be in jail for 10 years, 20 years, 50 years, their whole lives. That's what happens when you commit a serious crime. But I think the right to vote is inherent to our democracy. Yes, even for terrible people. Because once you start chipping away and you say, well, that guy committed a terrible crime, not going to let him vote, or that person did that, not going to let that person vote, you're running down a slippery slope. So I believe that people who commit crimes, they pay the price. When they got out of jail, I believe they certainly should have the right to vote. But I do believe that even if they are in jail, they're paying their price to society, but that should not take away their inherent American right to participate in our democracy. Applause for the answer. My follow-up question goes to this being like you're writing an opposition ad against you by saying you think the Boston Marathon bomber should vote not after he pays his debt to society, but while he's in jail. You sure about that? Well, Chris, I think I have written many 30-second opposition ads throughout my life. <laughs> this will be just uh, another one. But I do believe, look, you know, this is what I believe. Do you believe in democracy? Do you believe that every single American 18 years of age or older who is an American citizen has the right to vote? Once you start chipping away at that, believe me, that's what our Republican governors all over this country are doing. They come up with all kinds of excuses why people of color, young people, poor people can't vote. And I will do everything I can to resist it. This is a democracy. We've got to expand that democracy. And I believe every single person does have the right to vote. All right. There is Bernie Sanders. Well, he's well, at least he's consistent. Well, he tripled down. Well, I mean, that's uh, another example of that perception is more important than the truth. So there's in there's, politics. there's one thing I would agree with him on. Yeah. I think that when people get out of prison, they probably should be allowed to vote. But there's a lot of these people. I think probably should stop breathing because they they're not they they shouldn't be on Earth anymore. Because you know some of these crimes that people are going to prison for. They should be hanging for. They should be being put to death, and, and and I think it's insane for them to ever get out of prison. You know, I'm with you, Dave. If you're not paying taxes, if you're not paying for the government, if you're not here legally, and you shouldn't be here, then you should not be able to vote. Yeah, nope. if, you're, if you're not paying taxes, 
Uh, if you're in jail, you, what are you going to vote for? Well, I'm going to vote for more rights for the people in jail. Yeah, I I, I got real, I got a That's, lot of problems with felons voting. You know this when you commit the felony that if you get busted, you're going to lose your ability to, to 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 vote. You're going to lose your right to carry a firearm. And I, I think the idea of voting probably needs to be changed quite a bit. I, I think it's probably a mistake to just allow anybody and everybody to vote. Move the, move the voting well, here's to 35. Barry, but here's what Barry Sanders, oh, Barry Sanders, Barry Bernie, Sanders. <laughs> Bernie, <laughs> Bernie Sanders says uh, that, uh, you know, he doesn't mention is that in the founding of our nation, the only people who voted were the people who owned property. And they're men. Yeah. For the most part, it was all men, yeah, wasn't it? That's exactly right. That's the way it was, the way it started out. And. I can make a, a very valid argument why that's the way it should have stayed. Uh, I don't mind that they gave women the right to vote. Don't get me wrong. But I do have uh, problems that people vote and they make decisions for all of us when they don't have a vested interest. They don't have skin in the game. In, in the game. That's, a, that's exactly right. And, I mean, it's like that's why I so get so ticked off about this last vote during the election cycle where – People who don't own businesses got to tell business owners how much they had to pay pay their workers. That just yeah. absolutely no, uh, is wrong. All right, we got to take a break. When we come back, what say Kamala Harris about voting? We'll find out what she has to say when we return. Back with you on the uh, the Dave Ellswick show. I was logging into something. Should should do it. Nope, didn't. I have to go back in. I know what my login. Yes, but it wasn't the one that they said it was. All right, we got uh, a gentleman who wants to join with us uh, from Benton. And it's John, and he wanted to talk about convicts, about felons, about uh, juries as well, uh, voting rights. And, John, how are you? Doing pretty good today. All right. Love your show, man. All right. Man, uh, yeah, I, was he- I heard this earlier. This isn't a uh, thought that I had, but I heard it on. Uh, one of the earlier radio shows, but this lady we made the point and stuff, along with the several services that you have to participate in, like paying your taxes and whatnot. Uh, if you can imagine somebody, uh, like whenever you're registered to vote, you're also registered to serve on jury duty. Hmm. So if you can imagine somebody that's uh, getting prosecuted and it's a jury crime, and they bring out somebody in a jumpsuit and shackles, <laughs> they sit them down in the jury box to be able to deliberate whether or not the person needs to go to jail or not. They might do better than some of the judges we have on the bench. (laughs) (laughs) Well, yeah. But but, uh, on your opinion and stuff, like, as long as they haven't taken away anybody else's rights as far as their crime and they've paid their debt, I I feel like on a case-by-case basis, they should be able to reinstitute, like, their rights as far as voting. Okay. We appreciate your call. Thank you very much. Let's find out what uh, another one of the uh, Democrats that are running for the uh, nomination from the Democratic Party for president has to say. This cut two from my group of uh, audio, and here's Kamala Harris. Watching earlier, but Senator Bernie Sanders said that uh, that he is in favor of felons being able to vote while serving in prison. He's, he was asked specifically about people like the Boston Marathon bomber, also people who are convicted of sexual assault. And he said, this is a quote, the right to vote is inherent to our democracy, yes, even for terrible people. Do you agree with that, Senator? 
I agree that the right to vote is one of the very important components of citizenship. And it is something that people should um, should not be stripped of needlessly, which is why I have been long an advocate of making sure that the formerly incarcerated are not denied a right to vote, which is the case in so many states in our country, in some states permanently deprived of the right to vote. And these are policies that go back to Jim Crow. These are policies that go back to the heart of, of policies that have been about disenfranchisement, policies that continue until today, and we need to take it seriously. But, but people who are in, convicted in prison, like the Boston Marathon bomber, on death row, people who are convicted of sexual assault, they should be able to vote? I think we should have that conversation. Wow. She wasn't quite as committed. Wow. But she didn't want to get into the whole thing about the Boston Marathon bomber. She didn't want to do that. But notice that it took her about 20 seconds before she threw down the race card. <laughs> this happened in Jim Crow, you know, and all of that. Crazy. Jim, look, that we've got rid of that. We got rid of that. We've, we've done, I think, a lot more, uh, I don't want to say progressive. That's not what I want. That's not how I feel. We've, we've loosened voting laws more over the last 30 years than anybody ever thought would happen. Was it 10 years ago they made it so that um, people who were mentally insane could vote? I mean, it used to be illegal for for people who were um, mentally insane to vote, but we we changed that, and I think we we did it in part because, well, they were being allowed to vote anywhere. People were breaking the law and letting them vote, and so that's, that's been opened up. Um, voting age used to be higher than 18. It used to be 21. It used to be 21. It used to be it, 21. I was the the generation first that had to vote at 18. 18. And they were talking about how many young people would turn out at the polls. Guess what? Hardly any. Nope. Yeah. That's exactly how it worked. Yeah. I voted. All right. I know several of my friends that were kind of politically astute. But, you know, when you're a senior in high school... You're chasing skirt and drinking beer. What can I say? <laughs> That's typically what was going on. How it worked. So it was not a big deal for most uh, young people. They could care less about voting. Well, I'm not for for lowering it any. That's for oh, sure. Oh, wait! I'm not I'm not lo- wait! Wait! Now, don't 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 be saying that. Oh, okay. Okay. Kamala Harris wants to talk about even that. And uh, here's cut number six. And listen to this one. Years have seen young people getting involved in politics and activism, organizing around issues such as gun control and climate change. Given that policies passed now will affect the younger generation for years to come, do you believe that Americans should have the right to vote at age 16? I'm really interested in having that conversation. I have to tell you that. Um, I think that there is no question that um, if we are looking at what is going on in our country, we are putting more responsibilities on people at a younger age. And um, the larger number of people that we can involve in the electoral process, um, I think the more robust it would be. I think one of the the, the downsides of the way that our system is currently um, constructed, but, you know, thanks to CNN for doing this town hall with students, is that if people don't vote or they don't write checks, they don't get hurt. And I believe strongly that you can judge a society based on how it treats its children. And um, 
you can look at what we are not doing for our students, for our teenagers, and even younger. And I believe that if they had greater political power, maybe we would get our act together mm-hmm. a little bit better than we've been doing, and maybe that's one of the steps toward it. Yeah. Um, I will also say, though, that what I am so excited about in terms of seeing who's here, and, and I know you guys have been here for like five hours, <laughs> <laughs> is, you know, is that it, one of the things that is so um, that we have to remember about the history of our country is some of the greatest movements that we have had that have brought about change, social change, advancement, progress, have been fueled and born from our students. Yeah. Boy, she has a good ability to talk without saying anything. Yeah, did you notice? Do you notice how she starts off as she answers? I would like to have. I like to, to have, have that, that conversation. conversation that commits her to nothing. That's yeah, the reason you, you, you she says that. All right, right. If you don't say anything, then nothing can be held against you. So she can talk for a long time without saying, without anything. saying you, anything. You can make friends of shallow people. <laughs> and what? Yeah, her major, bait doesn't get too deep in water. <laughs> what major? What major issue was pressed by sixteen-year-olds in this country? Climate change, I guess, or gun control is what yeah, she said. I guess that's the only, that's that's only been very recent. And those kids were all brainwashed and put on a bus and shipped to somewhere yes, for a were. photo so, opportunity. So, so basically, that idea would be that you got kids who are currently in the brainwashing machines going to vote. They're probably going to put polls in the, in the schools for that if they're going to let sixteen-year-olds vote. vote. I, just, I, mean, I just found. I just find I mean, this whole look. I wasn't even all that excited about the 18-year-old vote. Here's the only argument that I thought was realistic. At 18, you could be drafted into war. And I thought if you could be drafted to go fight for your country, you should be able to vote for the people that were leading their country. There's some sense in that. Hey, I've got an idea. Your voter card becomes active when you have a job and you are supporting yourself and you are paying your own bills. But if you're living home with mom and dad, or if someone else is paying your bills, you are not independent in life until you are financially independent. Uh, I think there's kind of some sense to having sort of a a threshold for voting. I, I don't know that it's it's reasonable to just to just allow every yahoo to vote. I mean, I, I'm that's one of the reasons why I'm I'm kind of uh, along the lines of of dealing with immigration a little differently. Allow a lot more people in, but don't give them voting voting rights. Don't give them citizenship status. It, it's okay to have people who are not in leadership positions, and voting is sort of a leadership position. And so, I think it's I think it's somewhat reasonable to have people be required to maybe um, have have um, some credentials, if you will, before you vote. I mean, is that so unreasonable? Do we want we don't allow fourteen year olds to vote? I mean, no, they've never had a job. They've never paid taxes. They've well, some, some of them have had them jobs. Do. My kids, so, have, some of my them kids are, have had jobs. I think I was reading the other day yeah. that that um, was it. George Washington was actually working as a surveyor at like thirteen or fourteen years old, and he was productive. I mean, he was well, he was actually a a productive individual at that point, probably more so than a lot of twenty five or or thirty year olds. Well, currently there is a legal way to be come to this country there's a legal way to become a citizen and i'm real confident that when you become a citizen of the united states of america and you are 18 years old that you can vote Mm -hmm. so if you're legal you're a citizen and you're 18 
you can vote. What's wrong with that? Uh, you want to be illegal under 18, <laughs> not supporting yourself and vote and brainwashed by the, uh, the government school. propaganda machine. Yeah. So, can, can we just make it a requirement that anyone who's gone to public school has to wait at least 10 years before they vote? Well, it should almost be that way, but you know, it is the parents' job to to educate their children Absolutely. and get them in the right direction. And they're just some parents are, you know, and and then maybe all of us can be guilty of not training them enough. But my children, you know, know the difference between a full democracy and a republic. That's a big thing that you've not heard from any of these guys. They don't. They don't even know. That this is not a democracy. Sanders is the worst at that. Well, that's, I that's think what that's, I'm hearing from and, all of this. And I think that's one of the things that they actually want to kind of annihilate is the idea of being a republic and and having some. Well, of the, absolutely. Putting some, putting some of the brakes on just the mob rule mentality. They want of, 51 of wins. That's the, what the, they want. The 50 percent plus one. Yeah. And that's a, that is a kind of a dangerous. That kind of. Yeah. No, look at, I, I, look at the difference between America's revolution and the French Revolution. All right, one was leading to a republic and was using godly principles. The other, not godly principles, and a democracy. Horrific. Yeah, they're horrific. And, and, and so, whoever was in power, the other guys went to the guillotine. And and that's 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 a mess. And you know, I was thinking about some of this the other day, and. You know, I, I kind of tend to think that maybe it should be an awful lot harder to change laws. Even even on the legislative level, we allow legislators to change laws with 51%. Well, the Constitution and, of the state of Arkansas is a and, doormat. And, and, that, and that's we part of the problem, too. And, and I think, people's names. Yeah, it's been changed and, and, and drastically. That, that's a mess. I, I, and I, I think that, you know, Tim Griffin talks about, well, we need to just start off with a blank sheet of paper and start over. And to some extent, I kind of agree with him on that point. Maybe do maybe we do need to start over, and and and, and revamp the state of Arkansas. Well, they've Never got happened. look. They have the power with a two thirds vote to throw a lot of that crap off the Constitution. If they would, but they don't have the gonads to do it. Well, they're adding it on. Yeah, they're not taking they're it. They're happening. They're, they're adding they're, they're it back on. It. Yeah, well, and I think and that that's been kind of. One of the kind of the new discoveries, if you will, this during this legislative session, I think it was um, Representative Johnson or not Representative Senator Johnson, Senator mm-hmm. Mark Johnson. It was kind of bringing that to light about how that they actually do have constitutional authority to to kind of repeal, I guess, some of the yeah, amendments repeal that were made. They, and there's, they, there's they can go like, in. If I, look, trust me, in two years, if this rising thing about how much you got to pay somebody to work Minimum for you wage. starts putting a lot of mom and pops out of business you're going to see the senate and the house act on that i really do believe yeah, that okay got to get a break might do it. we come back we'll talk gun control kamala harris has some ideas about that <laughs> and elizabeth warren will explain her proposal of how the wealth tax will pay for free college tuition all that's coming up here on the dave ellswick show we got about uh, 12 minutes till 4, and Robert Steinbach will be with us at 4 o'clock. Don't forget about Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. They want to have a conversation with you about the insurance you have now for your car, your home, your motorcycle, your boat, whatever it is that you have insured, your life insurance, and see if they can't 
get you a better deal. All you have to do is call them at 501-819-0373, 501-819-0373. Set up an appointment and sit down with them at their location, 3920 East Keel Avenue in Sherwood. That's Dwayne Smith and the Dwayne Smith Insurance Agency. All right, so if you're a Second Amendment adherent, you probably will not want to vote for Kamala Harris. Just listen to this. Cut four. As a future educator, I am really bothered that public schools are being targets for uh, mass shootings. Uh, two days ago was the 20th anniversary of the Columbine massacre, yeah. but still two decades later, no major gun control legislation has been passed. Yeah. So my question is, as president, how will you go about keeping our schools safe and keeping guns out of the hands of those who should not have them? Thank you, Ben. And I'm sure that there are plenty of students here who, while you were in um, high school, even middle school, that you had to participate in a drill, Right where you were convened and your teachers taught you about how you need to go and run in a closet because there may be a mass shooter roaming the hallways of your school. And in our America, that should never have to happen. Conversations take place every night. Conversations take place every night between students and their parents. Why do these things have to happen? Why do we have to have a drill like that? To which, of course, the response is because there are people in Washington, D.C., supposed leaders, who have failed to have the courage to reject a false choice, which suggests you're either in favor of the Second Amendment or you want to take everyone's guns away. Supposed leaders in Washington, D.C., who have failed to have the courage to recognize, you know what, you want to go hunting, that's fine. But we need reasonable gun safety laws in this country, starting with universal background checks and a renewal of the assault weapon ban. But they have failed to have the courage to act. So, Ben, here's my response to you. Upon being elected, I will give the United States Congress 100 days to get their act together and have the courage to pass reasonable gun safety laws. And if they fail to do it, then I will take executive action. And specifically what I will do is put in place a requirement that for anyone who sells more than five guns a year, they are required to do background checks when they sell those guns. I will require that for any gun dealer that breaks the law, the ATF take their license. And by the way, ATF, alcohol, tobacco, and firearms. Well, the ATF has been doing a lot of the A and the T, but not much of the F. And we need to fix that. That's, that's BS. All right. That no, last don't, thing wait, 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 wait a second. When, when the last time you went, Artie, when the last time you went and bought a gun, what did they do? They do. They do a background check. If Paul, you, when the last time you went and bought a gun, what did they do? Um, I don't. I don't generally buy guns very often, so it's it's been a while since I've since I've bought one. But from did the, they do? They did a background. I, yeah, the last check. time I bought one from a, I think I bought from, one from a pawn shop, and I did, I did a background. And they check. did a background the, check the, on me. They do the a question background is, check. Russ, is, is when a when a legal person goes and buys a firearm, they do a background check and they follow the law. And whenever a criminal is going to go and shoot a bunch of innocent people, he does not buy it from the local firearms dealer and give his social security from the local number. Truck. So you'll have about as much chance of 
taken all the guns away from the criminals has taken away all the drugs from the drug dealers well passing a law is no i completely agree with you but the, the, yeah. at, at the end of the day That's though right. I know these, these i know you do day the background I mean, checks that we have right now are illegal I mean, they, they should not be requiring Russ. people to submit to those before get before being able to exercise their rights if the government is afraid of dangerous people getting guns stop turning these dangerous people loose that is plum stupid yeah. So, but the bottom line is, I love. I'll give them a hundred days, get their give act them together, days, and, and if they don't the do it, then I'm going to do it. To she's going to bring hundred days to create another log jam. There's yeah, another law that will not stop mass shooting. The, the, the I'll say one thing about the state government and the federal government: they cannot count to five. None of them can count to five. So if you make a law that says, says, well, after you do five, then you have to do this. The government can't count to five, and they do not have enough agencies to run around and count how many times the whole country does anything five times. As I said, she is the Second Amendment uh, choice for president. I guess so. (laughs) so the, 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 The thing is, you know, on some level, she's right. They should do some things different, and people should not have to run and hide when somebody comes into a school and tries to shoot up a bunch of innocent people. The teachers should be armed. They should not be illegal for teachers to carry um, guns in school. If you can te- if you can trust a teacher to, to, to basically raise your kids, why on earth would you not trust them with a gun? Now listen, if you listen to these kids that are asking the questions, I can guarantee you there's probably not a kid in that group that showed up for CNN's town hall. That would have stood up and said, Miss Harris, what law do you think would have stopped the Columbine shooting? Yeah, and that's that's part of the problem is that there isn't a law. How many how many of these people would have actually been stopped by by greater yeah, what, um, the what, sad how will is, you stop all this shooting by short, executive action? Thing, short short the, of actually totally banning guns which might have some effect but it's also would not have no well it it might have some but at the end of the day though do we actually believe in liberty or not i think the answer for her is no duck and cover yeah (laughs) duck and cover time to take a break let's take a break robert steinbach will be with us in the next hour i will play elizabeth warren quote my proposed wealth tax will pay for free college tuition Let's hear that fairy tale when we continue on the Dave Ellswick Show. Well, I'm glad we could win, uh, wake Robert Steinbach up from his nap no this kidding, afternoon. No, no kidding. <laughs> he said, no, they're yawning. Those are, you, all of you, by the way, if you haven't noticed, we're back on uh, Facebook Live, Dave Ellswick Show. Go facebook.com slash Dave Ellswick Show. Click video, and you can watch the show live while it's ongoing. And it's been kind of fun today because we've been making fun of Democrats. It's always fun when you can make fun of Democrats. You know, Artie had an interesting idea that maybe we could – maybe one way we could bring a little bit more legitimacy to the Democrat presidential candidates is for them to have a swimsuit competition. Yeah, yeah. I think the answers would be real good. (laughs) I mean, that that might improve their their credibility a little bit. I'm just saying Bernie Sanders. Dave, you woke me out of my nap for this? Is that why I got out of my nap? European Speedo for Bernie. (laughs) That's right. Just saying Bernie Sanders in a Speedo. I don't think so. Remember, Bernie Bernie literally did his honeymoon in the Soviet Union. Yeah. My father fled the Soviet Union, and Bernie went to the Soviet Union. 
It, it, he think liked about, it. Think about the contrast. But, but, but the thing is, we can't, we can't, you can't expect the Democrats to run on principles. And so, the, I, I think that maybe this this idea of the swimsuit competition would just be. Right, right up their alley. You're a sexist, <laughs> Paul. You're a sexist. No, no, I'm, I, I'm, I'm willing for it to be for both men and women. And then, I mean, you're just, then you're just sick. And, and in their case, maybe some transgenders, too. I don't oh, know. Oh, my the goodness. In-betweens. And the, what I, was they wild. have not given up on, on the utopia socialist society yet. They haven't given up on it. I didn't get into this, but Bernie uh, attacked JFK for speaking out against communism. Really? In his speech. Well, historically or recently? Yeah, you know. Well, he's talking from a historical mm-hmm. thing, and he said the most excited that he ever got when he was able to go and hear Fidel Castro oh my gosh. talk. Uh, hmm. You know, just he's a dictator. Am- amazing stuff. A dictator. Like that. Yeah, a murderer. A right. murderer. So I got Elizabeth, I got Elizabeth Warren here. Elizabeth Warren, she's doing everything she can. To lose? To, to, to grab some <laughs> no, kind. To get some attention. Attention. That's exactly what she's doing. Because if you look at what's the, that, wait, wait, what's that smell, Dave? Oh, it's desperation. Yeah, I'm sorry. desperation. I'm sorry. That's exactly what right. it is. I've got this here. She's talking about free college tuition. Here's how she would play or pay for it. Here's uh, cut number seven. And that I'll be paying off for years. What is your plan to deal with student debt and the rising cost of education? Okay, thanks for the question, Dina. You know, this is the America we live in now. Uh, Basically, to get a shot at a middle-class life, you've got to have some post-high school technical training, two-year college, four-year college, maybe graduate school, depending on who you are and what you're ending up doing. The position of the federal government has been good luck to you. You're on your own. The one thing they've done is they've lent tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions, billions of dollars to our students, and it is now crushing them. So my proposal is to say this isn't right. What we have to do as a country is roll back that debt. And so I have two parts to the proposal. Part one is that we say uh, that we are going to roll back student loan debt for about 95% of students who have debt. That's part one. And part two is to make sure that we never get in this mess again on student loan debt, and that is to make college universally available with free tuition and fees and to put more money into Pell Grants so that students of color, so that our poorest students have real access to college, and that we put some real money into our historically black colleges and universities. This is about opportunity for everyone. how to pay for it. I was just, just for a minute. That. You want to ask? Well, because that is the criticism, obviously, from Republicans to say, how are you going to pay for it? And even for some centrist Democrats who say, doesn't this feed the narrative that Democrats just want to give everything away for free? So let's remember where this all started. I started in several months ago talking about a wealth tax, an ultra millionaire's tax. It's two cents on every dollar of the great fortunes above $50 million. So your 50 millionth and first dollar, you gotta pay two cents and two cents on all of the dollars after that. And here's the stunning part. If we ask the great fortunes in this country, and understand, this isn't about trying to be nasty or say that you've done anything wrong. What it's about is saying, look, 
you had a great idea, you got out there, you've worked hard, or you inherited well, whichever one it was. <laughs> got that great fortune, spend just a minute to remember how you got it. You built that great business, or your ancestors did, using workers that all of us helped pay to educate. You got your goods to market using roads and bridges that all of us helped pay to Is build. You were protected in your factories with firefighters and police officers that all of us helped to pay. And we say, good for you that you have now gotten this great fortune, but two cents, you gotta pay something back so everybody else gets a chance. And here's how the money works out. If we put that two cent wealth tax in place on the 75,000 largest fortunes in this country, two cents, we can do universal childcare for every baby zero to five, universal pre-K, universal college, and knock back the student loan debt burden for 95% of our students and still have nearly a trillion dollars left over. Is she smoking? All right. It's Elizabeth Warren, man. What can I tell you? Two cents if you over, how much? Over 50, 50 million. million. 50 million. You got to pay two. And two, because two. don't you know, yeah, you came up with a good idea, but you didn't build that idea. We did. Didn't that doesn't that sound awful familiar? Well, so of, so it's more more funding for the wacko leftist nut jobs in the universities to continue to come up with this garbage about transgenderism and and global warming hysteria. Wait, don't don't think about that stuff now. <laughs> I mean, th- more think about what you for this even think of, about what you just said. You had a good idea. You built, a, you you put this idea in play, and you made all this money. But remember, you made it on the backs of people who were taught in public well, schools in America. She's rather clever how she does it. Right? First, she says, I'm not trying to speak ill of these people who made a lot of money. Yeah, and then she. Speaks Speak ill of the people that made a lot of money. <laughs> Look, I'm not here to say that any given tax is good or bad. I'm for decreasing taxes as a general matter. But that doesn't mean you can't change your tax system. But it seems it's obvious, I should say, that the left always wants to increase taxes. And they seem to think it's just the very next tax that's going to solve all the country's problems. If we only had this one more tax, we would solve the whole country's problems. And we could give everybody free education. And, it's and, re- and free child care from, from birth to, to five years old. So, so we have public school now. That's a, it's a child care program for, for kids from about four and a half or so till 18. So they want to, they want to extend that to um, – to basically birth till 18 years old. Why, why not just No, they want to take it to 22. They want to take it through college. Through college. And so, so, so why not just go to full-blown communism where we just take kids away at, That's when they're six weeks old? Let, let them nurse and get the colostrum from their mamas for, for a, a, a few weeks, maybe. Maybe just do it a couple of days and then take the kids away and go ahead and just raise them. Just take the mamas and drain them and put it in bottles and feed well, the kids. Well, that maybe that's what college. you can do. So hook, the, hook the mamas up to, to uh, milking machines and, and, and feed the babies and, and never let the mamas touch them. Well, my wife says, 
what's wrong with colleges and reason tuition is so high is because the government has already got involved in the education system and the government has already screwed the colleges up. If the colleges were private, privately funded instead of government funded and there was no such thing as a government loan so you could go borrow you know a hundred thousand dollars from the government then the college what they're going to do they're going to raise the prices and say go to the government and get more money go to the government if people if it was a free market to where it was a privately held college and they could not charge more than the people could actually afford then the price of college tuition would go down the reason it screwed up is because the government's already Artif- screwed it up. Artificially injected money. I think that, and that's, that's yeah. the same as what happened in the um, in the housing industry is that we've, we've got the Fed manufacturing money for loans to, the, to build houses. The more liquidity you create in the marketplace, the higher prices go. So there's no question that government funding uh, causes in part the increase in prices for higher education. Another thing that causes the increase in prices for higher education is the proliferation of administrators. You they you get more and more deans and whatever the other titles these people have across universities across the country. It's remarkable how they have proliferated. It's the single biggest large uh, uh, growth area in universities. Well, see, they don't have to operate in a profitable manner. Now, when you run a business, you don't have more people in the office than you have working on the factory floor because you have to use this world this word called profitable but once you get the government involved and you have government funding then you can have all of these administrative positions and what are you doing they say that is reducing unemployment oh yeah i gotta yeah, well, here's this, here's what's really interesting is they saying they're not they're not profitable i don't know too many universities that are not Profitable. Look at the buildings. Well, they're the building. univer- Look universe at the- here. There's an article in Demgas this week that uh, twelve you, million dollars short or something. Yeah, like that. that's so, UALR. Right, UALR needs to make up some money. Um, so no, I think uh, universities across this country, uh, not the big rich private. Harvard has an endowment that they could never charge tuition for the next hundred years and and not feel it. But the public schools and the smaller private schools, they're hurting. And in fact, there are some small private schools uh, that have closed over the last. Let, let's say decade, maybe a little bit less, because of the impact. And of, the of course, the operating term is private, mm-hmm. What's not wrong? public. It's very hard for a public school to close because, of course, they publicly they're tax funded. subsidized. Right, they're tax subsidized. Does not have to be profitable. Does right. not have well, to no, be efficient. Now, just to be clear, it doesn't have to be profitable in the following sense that the university set up by the state to provide services to to state citizens, uh, and the university supplements the money that comes in to provide that service because we believe it is what's known as a positive externality. You train people and people are all people in society are better off. But that doesn't mean that it can't be run efficiently. And there across this country, many uh, schools that have not historically been run efficiently at all for a variety of reasons, many of which we just talked well, about. Your, your point about the administrative um, bloat. Over, over, bloat. Um, yeah. administrative bloat well, that's is happening interesting within just regular high public schools, schools as oh, well. Yeah. And that's you know, right. I, was, I was talking to a, a fellow, all government I positions. think it was a couple of legislative sessions. Legislative sessions ago and we were just t- talking about the cost of education uh, with public school i think the average in the state is about 10 or eleven thousand dollars at least it was i think at the time it may be closer to 12 now and you know what could what could you do robert if you had 25 students 
and they give you eleven thousand dollars per, per head. Series. Per head, right? That's, 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 that's two hundred and seventy-five thousand dollars. That's right. I could do quite a bit. And you get to keep. Students. You get to keep the money you don't yeah. spend on the right. students. Yeah. I mean, you know, you could. I, I could. I could. I could do an awful lot with two hundred seventy-five thousand dollars, and I think I could do a whole lot better than what the government's doing right now. Well, there's a, there's always there's inherently inefficiency in government behavior because you're not responsible. It's for not the money. your money. It's not your money, right? <laughs> you're spending somebody else's I, I, money. I can't tell you how many government buildings I've walked into, and they have like the uh, uh, LED screens up to tell you where the offices are. Remember, it used to be they had the little push pins and they put yeah. it up, right? Cost a nickel to put up, you know, third floor, Dr. Smith, right? No, now, they, they spent $9,000 on that crazy screen, maybe. Right, exactly. And I remember when they started putting these things up, this is when they were expensive. I still had a regular television set, the old tube style. And they're getting these flat screens just to tell you to walk upstairs. Back when they were $15,000. Easily, easily. Well, That's right. How about all these schools and, and, and all of the... Uh, Super nice schools. I mean, I had a grandfather that Taj Mahal's. Yeah, I had a grandfather that taught schools in, in you know in a one room school room. And I went to school, you know, all the way back to when uh, we had first and second grade in one classroom and had them together with one teacher for both classes. So uh, the people that think that money improves education that is a false. Well, pretense. was it was it Thomas Jefferson that that pointed out that you know. We shouldn't make it just super comfortable for poor people. The fact is, one of the reasons why we get out of poverty is that it's, it's uncomfortable. Yeah, and now you, know, you when enslave a, them. When a, when a welfare program is something that people are proud of, there's a problem with that. You know, there yeah, is, Although we're switching topics. I mean, I think. No, 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 no I mean, but the, the public school is a welfare program. We recognize well, I don't, that. I, if and, you don't make it a resort, and I've seen a few of those, but on the most part, I haven't seen that, luckily. Uh, although the, there was the, a, a university like in Ohio, I think. They built this, like, water park or something, and then they got lambasted. I don't know if they wound up well, building But, but just, just yeah. in Conway a while back, right. they built a new high school. And I think the cost <laughs> was. I think it maybe came out to two hundred and thirty or two hundred and fifty dollars a square foot. Right, but remember, just because it's two fifty a square foot doesn't mean it's luxurious. It, it, it was it, though. Oh, it was. So you no, drive okay. by the right. thing; it's yeah. quite nice. And, it, and know, so just go down and check out Bryant and Benton. Check up in Northwest Arkansas. It's not stuff. like the the schools, Robert. I'm going to assume that you went to the same kind of. I went public to public school. school. That's right. That, right. I, that I went with cinder to. blocks, and yeah. it was cinder blocks. Yeah. That's exactly yeah. what it was built yeah, out yeah. of. That's, That's right. not the case anymore, no. man. You, I go to Cabot, and you walk into the foyer, and my God, mm-hmm. they got these. Isn't it in Cabot where they got the, the staircases oh, that go up and everything? Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. <laughs> you can build a de- pretty decent house for about a hundred dollars a square foot. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's a pretty decent house, right? Commercial is a little more, and well, then, but it doesn't have to be. I don't think. No, commercial does because the code is higher, right? So, but not we're not saying two fifty. Uh, and then there's the inherent inefficiency of government building. Well, I, when I worked yeah. for the federal government, one of the th- types of cases I litigated was government construction. The prices were always crazy because it's government construction. Yeah, uh, that's they, not a compliment, right? That's not a justification. No, they're going to always charge more. Absolutely. If you're building Absolutely. for the government, because. The government's got the money. That's right. That's and the way they they've got our money. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly right. <laughs> and there's just not the same kind of incentive. You know, when you and I, all of us go to the store, we literally look on the shelf and say, well, should I buy that one or should I buy that one? Do I want the slightly better one for more money, the slightly worse one, whatever it is, yeah. for a little bit less money? We always make those decisions. I, I see myself doing it. That's as, not as the a, way government I mean, acts. How many, how many of us would go out and put a... a they never ask that question. Yeah. How many of us would, would consider ourselves being conservative if we spent 
$2,000 on our front door. Right, right. Well, I tell you one thing, the only way to make government more efficient is to reduce the size of it. Anybody that that keeps saying that we're going to reduce the price of socialism and we're going to have conservative <laughs> socialism, socialism and we're going to have just as big government, nobody has to lose anything. You're not going to lose any service. You're not going to lose any of your education. You're not going to lose any of your cell phones. And we're going to do it all efficiency and reduce the size of it that is a lie well, so what re- the only way to reduce government is to shrink it all right let's take a break when we come back something that uh, robert and i like to talk about we'll get you guys involved in it we're going to talk about freedom of speech have we ever talked about that on the show no, once sure. in a while once in a while we'll, we'll talk about that. it some more when we come back on the dave ellswick show all right back with you we've got about a minute before we get to the news so let me remind you about uh, Dave Lucas and what he's got going. Learn a little known strategies that can help you save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes with a free tax reduction analysis. That's right. It's from David Lucas, David Lucas Financial. You hear him Saturdays here on uh, 101.1 FM, The Answer, at 10 and at 3. This free analysis reveals the little known strategies and loopholes that could help you save thousands of dollars in taxes on that IRA 401k, social security benefits, and more. So to get this free analysis, all you got to do is be one of the first 10 callers right now at 501-653-6690. It's your opportunity to save tens of thousands of dollars in taxes in retirement. 501-653-6690. One more time. 501-653-6690. When we come back, Freedom of speech is on the front burner. We're going to talk about what a school is trying to do and how the students are fighting back, and it's not pretty. It's the Dave Ellswick Show. Stick around. we got news for you right now. All right, back with you. Robert Steinbach has joined the power panel now, and uh, here I sit on the side of the desk looking at him, and uh, he had sent me a story earlier today dealing with freedom of speech what a surprise and uh, also here in the studio still is rd hopper from uh, he's the owner main bottle washer over at sunny's and then you have uh, of course uh, the old testament prophet himself <laughs> paul calvert yes sir good to have you here all three of you let me just turn it right over to you uh, Robert, and again, Robert is with UALR Bowen School of Law. His opinions are his and his alone. Do not necessarily reflect those of the School of Law or UALR. I say that to uh, CYA us. Well, it's it's appropriate. You know, yeah. we shouldn't confuse my opinions with someone else and vice versa. Yeah. But it's a very interesting story. There, the University of Chicago, a few years back put out a statement really in strong support of freedom of speech on campus. And, of course, as you know. And in their past have always been strong supporters of freedom of speech. That's right. And as you know, uh, you and I worked very hard to pass legislation uh, along those uh, lines. When the University of Chicago put out this statement a few years back, an organization um, called FIRE, Freedom, I forget the rest of it, and E stands for education. I'm, I apologize because I work with them a lot, but I forget what, exactly what the acronym means. In any event, 
they started going around to different schools and different folks on campuses and saying, look, why don't you guys pass a similar statement? And usually the way these things happen is it goes through the university senate, university assembly. Each school has a kind of different body made up of professors, and then it goes to the administrators, the chancellor, the president. Again, each school has a slightly different structure, and they sign it, and then it's a statement of values for the university, and that has meaning, and that has impact, and that has an effect. And I had been working with FIRE for some time, and so we were speaking uh, about that early on. Uh, And I put together something, and after a few Delays. Uh, we got it passed from the university assembly or senate again, even at, at, at UALR. I don't remember the name, but the, the faculty were very much in favor of it. Uh, and the administration signed off right off on it. I, I will say happily, meaning I'm not inside their heads, right? But they readily signed off on it. So kudos both to the faculty and uh, Chancellor Rogerson at UALR, uh, who all did, we all worked together, I mean this sincerely, we all worked together and collectively uh, towards the same goal, and that was freedom of speech on campus. And we passed this, what I'm calling the Chicago Statement, a lot of people call it that, but it's a free speech uh, proclamation on campus. It's It's got to be a year or two ago at this point at the University of Arkansas. So uh, I'd like to thank everybody involved in that. And that passed, and there are now quite a number of schools that passes. So fast forward with that history, and FIRE went to another school, and they went to uh, Williams College, it's one of these kind of touchy-feely schools, you know, Dave. Uh, yeah, and, I do. <laughs> and, right? And, of course, there's more of those than there aren't, right? Yeah. And, petting schools. Right. Petting, right. <laughs> and they got pushback. So wait, so you might think, oh, well, maybe they got pushback from administrators. You know, administrators at some schools don't want their faculty or students to say something like we saw over at, um, uh, what was it, uh, uh, Arc State, right? You know, uh, where they had that lawsuit with um, uh, Ashlyn Hogart uh, because, God forbid, they were uh, speaking with, uh, what's it, the TPUSA yeah. uh, on campus. TPUSA, yeah. Right, and they weren't in one turning of their point. turning point, and they weren't in one of their designated four foot uh, square areas for free speech. And had not been invited exactly. on campus. Exactly. And of course, as we've discussed before, Dave, uh, what I call a free speech zone is called the United States of America. Mm. But put that aside for a moment, if I may. Uh, but um, so they went to, Fire went to. Um, Williams College and said, "Let's see, why don't we see if we can get organized and pass this free speech statement, also known as Chicago Statement, there. Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. Thank you. Thank you. You've saved me from them because the next time I talk to them, if they hear this interview, <laughs> they'll say, really? Really? We've been working with you for years. You can't remember our name? Yeah. You know, and my response is that, you know, I'm lucky I remember my siblings' name. So, <laughs> in any event, they... Um, they get pushed back, and you might say, you might sort of think to yourself, oh, well, maybe the administrator should be. No. No. It's the students? Students. Yeah, the students, students. push back. Listen to this. Um, I'm quoting from an article in uh, um, a publication called Inside Higher Education, and it's a, really, it's a well-known publication for professors, that type of thing, people involved in education. Um, a group of about 20 students showed up, some carrying signs proclaiming, quote, Free speech harms, end quote. Free speech harms. And other similar sentiments. 
the students were disruptive and eventually started yelling at white male professors to sit down and, quote, acknowledge their privilege, end quote. I mean, this is really remarkable. It's sort of two things going on here, Dave. One is how these millennial students have lost the value of free speech. It's not about free speech. It makes it's, me want to cry. It does. It's about teddy bears, right? It's about uh, therapy dogs. It's about... Coloring uh, books. Right, coloring books and counseling. Hot chocolate. Right. Petting zoos. Right. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> I mean, right. that's sad, but that's it's, right. that is the truth of and the And we mock it, and we, we do it in a somewhat lighthearted sense. It is some serious shinola. Yeah. Because Big these time. yeah these people... They're outside of reality. This is why they need. Well, uh, the, the, the thing is, though, you know, one of the things I think it's in Proverbs talks about the first side of an issue you hear sounds good until you hear that his neighbor coming along and examine him. So, you know, if you only hear one side of an issue, it's kind of easy to brainwash people and make them believe all kinds of stupid garbage. So, if you have free speech, it's an opportunity for people to actually hear the other side of issues. And of or course, hear another side of issue. Uh, and, and, of course, that's right, Paul. And you're you're, you're spot on. And, and so, if we have free speech, someone might someone might brainwash these poor kids into believing something other than. The, think about the, it. That's why in the Constitution, it's the that. First Amendment. Yeah, the First Amendment for a reason. Number one. Yeah. Well, yeah. you have the freedom of speech on a college campus as long as you don't disagree with anybody. <laughs> anybody's feelings. You know, that's not true. <laughs> you, you just don't. They will not even allow. They give you like a an eight by eight foot by eight foot square. Well, not after the Dave. Not now. Now it's bill. every it's place on the right. campus. But mm-hmm. before that, if you stepped out of that square and said something and somebody complained that what you said upset them you might they get the merits could, they could, no not the merits they could let you go yeah and this is the wow. this is really the tragedy in higher education across this country this notion that we're concerned about whether people how they feel look i'm not looking to upset people but if someone becomes upset because they hear a debate a discussion of you that's contrary to theirs, suck it up. The facts, suck don't, it up. The facts don't care about your buttercup. But at the end of the, at the end of the day, information is is valuable. If we can actually get not people, to the left, it is not. That, well, it's, it is. It's that's valuable. You got to stop. It's valuable to them too. And I no. think part of the issue is they don't want information getting out. They, it's not. Well, of course, well, valuable and, and, to them. And, and, and it, it's valuable to keep it from getting out. Well, well that's why case. there's no freedom of speech with them. A group many times will make a better decision than any one person on the left or right. That's the reason you have a board of directors. That association has a board is because the board can get together. You have people with different backgrounds, different experience, different educations. They can all give their their side of the issue. Everybody can listen, process the information that's given out, and most of the time, if everybody's honest, uh, people don't get exactly what they want, but I've seen it, and I've been a part of it for many years, that a decision is made that is better than any one person would have made. Okay, so where but are we? you have we? to listen. Where are we on this story? Well, nowhere. They're, they're, they're still fighting over it, right? They, they're still fighting over the notion of free speech on campus 
at uh, Williams College because the delicate daisies need the therapy dogs. And as we've talked about in many occasions, you, you remember when we had the last presidential election, there were schools across the country. Campus reform, the, the website, started listing the schools that started offering therapy because they didn't like who won the president. Wow. Well, yeah. well, we they, had that here. UALR did it. Well, that, that, maybe that would be a good, a good way to actually see who you want to kick out of the school. But the Offer problem, therapy after, after a president gets elected, and if they come, give them their... Is that the cops do that sometimes, right? They when, round up criminals, and they send out these notices or the contact. You want something. You want something. And they, they, they get they them all in a room, and then they... The, an easy the way to problem is... Please put is, your hands in front of you. The problem is, is these students cannot function in society. They cannot function... Well, they're certainly not going to learn to in this environment. No, right? no in that not environment, you can't function at a job place. You could, can't... Uh, function on any board i mean because uh you have to hear sometimes there's a guy called the boss and the boss tells you to do something that you don't like (laughs) paul brought up the, the, the the critical salient point i believe and that is and this is goes back to the communist communists of the 30s and thereafter they control the masses by controlling thought and the way you control thought is by controlling speech. If you, you take give, words out of conversation. That's why conversation, they always controlled the press. Right. You give them their perspective. That's right. They if don't you, have their own. You give them one set of words and one set of ideas, and, and you, that's what they do and, and, and you protect them from opposition. That's right. If someone's never never been exposed to ideas about liberty, they don't know they're not free. That's right. Does a fish know they're wet? Right. No. I, I was lucky. Uh, more than just lucky. I just I fell into this interview and I was so so blessed to talk Alexander Solzhenitsyn. Wow! And I I got to sit down and talk to him for an hour. Wow! An hour with Alexander Solzhenitsyn. If you don't know who he is, you need to find out. And you need to read some of his works. But I asked him about the Soviet Union right. at the time, and I asked them, "Don't the people in the Soviet Union?" want to be free don't they desire to be free to, you know free men and here's what he said no you can't tell a man he's dying of thirst if he's never tasted water yeah and i think that's that's, that's big, exactly that he's he's famous for that that's a big problem in america is that we've got so many people they're just immersed in this in this lack of liberty and that's why they're, they're that's what and, they're teaching and they're opposed they're, and they they're, don't they don't, they don't realize they're dying of thirst paul you're right you're they right. don't they don't Just, look i can tell you right now there are people who are in this country that have no idea the liberty that i grew up under and it's gone now. Just and it was, and some of it was gone before I was born. Yeah, just the last couple of days, I've been having a discussion with a legislator. We we're talking about some earlier a representative, and and she was she was arguing in favor of licensing for barbers. You know, if if you have to get a license to be a barber, you're a slave. Sorry. Well, I like when they say you need a license to be a barber because it's all about protecting people's health. What? Yeah. Well, I mean, you know. You don't need a license for that. You might be able to tell people, you know, wash your tools in between customers. You don't need a license to learn that. But you you can make some regulations that tell people not to hurt other people, but you don't have to make them get a license. And this this idea of government telling you, making you get a license so that you can do honorable things, that's slavery. I'm sorry. It is not freedom. That is not liberty and justice. That's just 
to slavery. Go ahead, real quick. One quick thing about Russia. Uh, I got to fly to Russia and visit an auto recycler in Russia that was a member of our association, and he got the freedom to buy some land and build some building and uh, open up a recycling facility there. And he was passionate and the most serious businessman that I've ever seen because he had an opportunity to have the freedom to build a business, and he is serious about it. Let me tell you what. Sultan Eitzen said this to me. He said that the United States and the Soviet Union are like ships, and we are passing each other. (laughs) Now, this is before Putin came back. You have the Soviet Union going this way towards freedom, and you have the United States going this way away from freedom. That is a true statement. That is a true statement. And Bernie and others and AOC, they see a lot of virtue in what was the communist system. They They're do. Not, we're not communist. Okay, listen. Yeah, they, you are. They, they, <laughs> they, and I think Bernie spoke favorably about things going on in Cuba. AOC, I think, recently commented on how great the health care is at the VA. My goodness. Yeah, I've boy. never met a veteran who said that. I've never been to VA. I don't have a clue. Not I've never met a good a place to go. We watched a movie about the Czech Republic on Netflix the other day. The lady's name is M I L A D A Malada Malada Horovac. Malada Horovac. It's on Netflix. And this lady was for freedom and for freedom of speech and she was executed after the Russians taken sure. took over the Czech Republic. Oh, yeah. And all she had to do to say that that the information that she was exercising as freedom to put out all she had to do to say that that was wrong and and she had worked against the government and they would have let her off and she took execution oh. instead of instead well, of think about what all the communists freedom. did right all the communists had these re-education camps right we had right. that in vietnam uh we had it in laos exactly. cambodia right cambodia all these re-education camps you don't know we're going to tell you the right things to yeah, say soviet union right? had them and now what and now of course china had of them. course and and what does the left say now they, they say things like well hate speech is not speech and as we've talked about before, hate speech, not speech. Why'd you put speech in the name of it? Yeah. Pick another word. You mm-hmm. can't even come up with a description for the thing that you're looking to outlaw other than speech by claiming it's not speech. The <laughs> left has gone off the ledge when it comes to speech. All right. We've got to get our final break in. We'll be back. Don't forget the Bible guys are coming up at 5 o'clock. They'll be with us after the news, but... We'll have a few more things to say before we end with the power panel. All right, back with you. And, uh, you know, a legitimate discussion here of how easy you can lose rights by convincing the youth that they're not worth having. Yeah, the youth are – that's one of the most dangerous parts of public education is you can brainwash people into giving up their rights. And the, the thing is, freedom of speech is pretty stinking important because without it, how do you counteract the propaganda that, that comes from government or from just other people in general? If someone puts out some sort of nonsense with freedom of speech, you and I can go and, and counteract that by telling them the truth. But when the government makes some speech illegal by saying, well, this is hate speech, what happens when someone's convincing you that the emperor has an actual nice suit of clothes when he's running around naked? If if no one's allowed to actually point out, you know, the emperor doesn't have any clothes. And and what's really remarkable, you see the left, they're, they're very pro-press because the press 
is largely, mainstream press is largely leftist, and yet they don't seem to realize that when they, uh, when they speak about freedom of press and freedom of speech regarding the news organizations, they completely neglect to talk about these circumstances where on campuses people say, oh, well, we can't talk because we're worried about how people feel. There's a disconnect. There's a disconnect between when those on the left say, well, we need a vigorous and vibrant press, and they need to be able to ask tough questions. Yeah, Pravda. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> uh, just, But just not in the universities. No. Not for the students. Not for the faculty. That because was, the same people that support the free press are the ones that say, well, we need to look out for our delicate that was one. That was one of the biggest arguments back in the late 60s right. about freedom of speech. Right. Because... Presidents on on college campuses and principals and public schools were saying you can't write about that right. for the school newspaper. Right. So we would say, well, okay, that's fine. We'll start our own paper right. and we'll do it off campus. But boy, I tell you what, don't you come back on campus with a copy of that paper. Right. You know, someone gets to decide what is okay to say and what's not okay to say. So, and what is okay to put in the textbooks and what's not in okay with the textbooks. And it always comes back to the source of authority of right, right. and wrong. Somebody has to have that source of authority, and they want the government to have that source of authority. Quickly, Robert, and then we're well, done. It's just, it, what's interesting here is there's – We've seen it where administrators at universities wanted the authority, but now it's kind of a new source of this article, uh, as this article reflects, which is this this source is students' feelings. That's the source. That's the source of authority now. (laughs) Everybody bows to what the students' feelings are. People need to learn how to actually exercise self-control in their feelings and logic it didn't work at my house paul how did it work with your house yeah it doesn't work (laughs) doesn't work paul i'm sorry all right we got a break guys i appreciate you all coming in thank you don't forget jan morgan to be back with us next week so we'll be uh looking forward to talking to her but uh stick around we got another hour coming and the bible guys are going to be here so for robert from rd from uh, paul have a great evening. Yes, sir. All right, thank All you. Right. God bless thank you. Final hour. It's a Tuesday. That means it's time for the Bible, guys. We got some questions for the for our participants. Today. Steve is not here. He's got to work. Got to work. So yep. uh, he's paying um, his silver <laughs> to the, to Caesar right now. So he'll be he'll not be here. He'll probably be back next week. I would expect. I hope so. Scott's here, and of course Billy is here. Uh, Scott Stewart is the pastor over at Agape Church. And a uh, great church to attend. And uh, guys, uh, and, and Billy Miller also does a lot of preaching around the area. Mm-hmm. Uh, are you pastoring anywhere? I, I am not uh, pastoring anywhere other than the Messianics out at the prison these days. Okay. Uh, but you can, a lot of times on Sunday mornings, you can find me over at Agape as well. Yep. So. Okay. So tell me, how was your guys, I'm not going to say Easter. Good boy. How was your Resurrection Sunday? Oh. See, I can say that amongst a whole bunch of people who went to Southwest Baptist Theological Seminary like I did mm-hmm. and get away with it without saying, Evil, Evilster? <laughs> what did you say? Evilster. <laughs> yeah, I say Resurrection Sunday. There you now. go. Well, you know, we, had, we had a great, um, a great time, and uh, you know, it was the celebration of um, what the Bible would call first fruits. Okay. And, yep. The, uh, Jesus, when Jesus died— 
Um, he died at the Feast of Passover, but then he was raised from the dead on the Feast of First Fruits. Um, I think some people believe that he rose on a Sunday to inaugurate a new day of worship. That was not what he was doing. He was being a good Jewish boy, keeping the Feast of First Fruits, and he became, as Paul says, the first fruits of the resurrection. So you got to so, know what that meant, all right? Mm-hmm, yeah. uh, you know, and th- this is what I. Somebody asked me the question. Mm-hmm. It says, "What's Mr. Dave?" It says, "How does he say?" It says, uh, "I was also wondering what Mr. Dave." And please just don't call me Mr. That was my dad. <laughs> just call me Dave. Uh, thought about the Hebrew approach when he first heard it, and does he agree with it now that he has heard you guys talk about it so much? Look, I didn't have, and I think Scott would agree with me. Uh, I have not had as much problem as a lot of people probably have yeah, about about this because. Look, I went to seminary, but uh, I had a lot of questions that the Baptists couldn't answer sure. mm-hmm. when I was there, and I saw a lot of things that I did not care for, and I happened to be there when the whole political upheaval was going on in the Southern Baptist Church at the time. So, yeah, I I came out with kind of a, a nasty taste. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. I mean, that, and it's true that some people don't call it seminary. They call it cemetery. Cemetery, yeah. Because unless you believe the way that they believe, uh, you might you might as well bury your own beliefs at yeah. that point. Yeah, uh, it, it's a, it's a true statement. But I here's the thing: the Holy Spirit reveals the truth to you, mm-hmm. and that's what He did with me when I would sit here and I, I spoke a lot with Scott about this stuff and with Steve, mm-hmm. Billy more so now. We we get to sh- we used to get share a lot more when we were over at the Capitol because mm-hmm. we had to walk where our cars were parked and stuff. But I, the real big change came when I went to my first seder. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. That changed a lot of things for me, and uh, uh, trying to 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 kind of muddle my way through a lexicon on on Hebrew and and I already had muddled through in seminary on Greek. So yeah, you know. There's a lot of things that I would hear preached from the pulpit that I knew uh-uh. simply yeah. wasn't the truth. Mm-hmm. No, that's 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 not right. Yeah. But here's here's my hope, and I've told Scott this, I've told Billy, I've told Steve, and they all can accept me as a brother, even when I say this. <laughs> if it doesn't doesn't change eternity, I really don't give a damn. Yep. I know that might sa- sound. Maybe that sounds facetious or just blowing it off but the little stuff i don't sweat it mm-hmm. i don't yeah. think i don't have time to sweat it when i'm talking to people i'm talking to them about their salvation sure sure you know i know i'm not going to talk to them well we don't believe we use musical instruments because you don't see them using musical instruments in the bible say what <laughs> You know, you know. Sorry, can we go back and look at the life of David? Yeah, because look at Solomon. Look at I mean, um, the Jewish religion was nothing but playing music. If I'm not mistaken, when the Lord comes back, someone's be sounding a trumpet. So apparently, yeah. the angels yeah. got trumpets. Yeah. Blowing, that's a musical instrument. The last time I looked in the yeah, dictionary, I, I agree. I just, I but I don't worry about that. Sure. I can go worship. Yeah. With my brothers in the Church of Christ, because they believe Jesus is the only way. Now, you start preaching from the pulpit, 
there's different ways, you know, and Buddha had a good way, too. And, you know, everybody got to weigh it out and everybody's equal. No, it's no. not that way. Jesus right. was very clear about that. That's right. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the That's Father right. but no. by me. Can you said. repeat that for me? <clears throat> Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father That's right. but by me. Yeah. You don't get there unless you got Jesus there in you your go. heart. That's right. And then we can discuss what does that mean. Yeah. Yeah. So – that was a nice sermon that Dave Sorry. Was yeah, no, that's, I like that's it. great. No, we're we, going to pass the offering plate now? <laughs> I'm going to dig deep over here, I think. <laughs> no, but truly, we had a, a great um, a celebration of first fruits. And I and, you know what I've been doing for the past five years at my church is teaching my people through Passover, through Unleavened Bread, which we're in the middle of uh, right now. Uh, I'm sure Billy's this way. I haven't eaten any leaven since uh, since the feast began. Uh, and that's, uh, you know, so much to learn in that. And, um I don't, we don't necessarily have time to go into a deep teaching here, but uh, and then first fruits happened this past uh, Sunday. The Bible says that's why Paul said Jesus was the first fruits from the dead. So uh, if there's a first fruits and there's a second and a third and a fourth and a fifth, all of us have a a number of some sort. We will one day be numbered among those uh, among those first fruits. Amen. So everything Jesus, everything the Bible tells us, every feast, every celebration is all about Jesus and. Um, Unless you put him in context, you'll never really truly understand the Genesis things. 1, 1 to Revelation. I forget At, what the last verse of Revelation is in chapter, but absolutely. it's all about Christ. It's all, it's about, all him. about him. Yeah. So we had people that were um, um, born again this past Sunday. We had people just – it was just a good a good day in the house. It really was. So we rejoiced in that. In fact, my daughter asked me uh, Sunday. I gave an Easter basket to my grandson. Mm-hmm. All right. But there was no Easter bunnies in it. It mm-hmm. was Easter crosses. Did you get those crosses? Oh, there you go. And the chocolate go. crosses. Uh-huh. By the way, they were at Walmart. Oh, were they? Oh, excellent. excellent. Hershey's excellent. chocolate. And I bought two of those and uh, had them in there. And she says, hey, Dad, you used to buy the real big bunny rabbits, the solid ones. And, you know, we'd all start eating the ears or whatever, you know. And I said, yeah, don't do that anymore. Don't do that anymore. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Let's remember what it's all about. Amen. I had a little, uh, my one of my uh, the ladies who works with my staff, she came up to me today and she said we were, we were, they, they, he was playing soccer and uh, they were out and uh, one of the other fathers approached um, the lady and my staff and uh, and her, her son was there and and he said, so did you guys have a, a, a nice uh, a nice Easter? And uh, immediately the little boy sh- shouted up, we don't celebrate Easter. But I found the bread. That was, ah, that was this, the Passover. The, the fecal man. He was looking for it. So, I mean, we've got a generation of kids at our church who they they have no concept of what Easter is like. Mm-hmm. They just yeah. don't know it. I mean, they're growing up with understanding that we are Judeo-Christians and we celebrate Passover. And they're all excited Pentecost. Now we're starting to count down the days of Pentecost, counting the Omer, counting the down the day, days mm-hmm. of Pentecost is getting here. So we're, we've got a generation of kids that are being raised having none of these traditional uh, trappings, and they're fully immersed in the Hebraic understanding of their scripture. I just, I told her today when she told me this testimony, because she said she found herself now having to explain to the man yeah. <laughs> what he's yeah. talking about. Huh? Uh, and, uh, and I said, imagine these kids when they're our age, just how different their whole uh, perspective will perspective be. the whole worldview will be different yeah. uh, than ours. So um, I'm, I'm so blessed. You know, we have, a, we have an academy, academy, only knows about Passover, only knows about uh, Purim, only knows about uh, all the different... It's just going to be a, a beautiful thing to watch these kids uh, develop. So, uh, all right, so here's a question. Okay, let's go for it. 
I was wondering if each of you could share how you came to revelation that the Hebraic way of study was the way you needed to study the Scripture. Sure. Uh, I've told this story before. Um, my my journey down this path started You're when You're Pentecostal, I was, right? I, I am. Okay. Um, my journey down this path started when I was nine years old. Um, and my father had preached a sermon. My, I grew up in the, the home of a pastor, and my father had preached a sermon and really had railed about the ignorance of a generation, the biblical ignorance of a generation. Now, that was 40 years ago almost. Um, so I won't say how far we've slipped since then, but um, he encouraged everyone to go home and read their Bible cover to cover. And I did. Um, and at nine years old, I read a couple of verses which disturbed me and led me. Um, specifically, I got to Deuteronomy 6, 4. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. And I was living in the home of a Trinitarian pastor and didn't exactly know how to make up that all. Matter of fact, that night, I um, it was my turn to bless supper that night, and I blessed the supper in the name of Jesus Christ only. So we had a, uh, a woodshed <laughs> moment after that to discuss how, how we appropriately uh, blessed the meal. But that led me on. And then the other one was, was Easter, and it's part of the reason I'm so passionate about um, Passover. I read that the sign, the only sign that would be given is three days and three nights. And I tried to count as a nine-year-old from Friday night to Sunday morning and couldn't get three days and three nights. And this started me on a journey. Now, for the longest time, I thought I was alone in the world, right? And I think that's kind of pretty common. And one of the reasons I enjoy doing this so much is the exposure that people get to hear that there are people out there like you. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the people over the last 30 years or so who have started this walk when they start this walk, they think they're the only ones in the world yeah. who feel this way, believe this way, et cetera, et cetera. And then they are exposed to community. Now, it's only been about the last 10 or 12 years that I've been exposed to this larger community. But for me, this path really started you know, three decades ago. Mm. Yeah. And uh, for myself, it was um, more of a, um, I think more of a, what I would call just kind of a Holy Spirit moment. I... Um, <clears throat> I started attending Bible college, and um, and while I was there, I actually had a uh, I had a vision, and this vision uh, led me. And I I don't know if I've shared the vision on the radio before. Maybe I have, but uh, it's a very precious thing to me. But uh, without going into details, uh, I, what happened is um, I had a direction from the Lord to begin to look at Scripture differently, and I asked Him, "How do I? What do I do?" And what he ministered to me was he said, if you want to understand what I'm saying to you, I want you to go and study the Jewish wedding ceremony. And that was like someone going, I've never heard what, what is that? So I knew, I, honestly, I didn't know what to do. So I went to, the only thing I knew to do is go to Christian television. And I started flipping through, looking for something. And I came across a guy named Zola Levitt. Zola Levitt is still on TV. He's still there. He's dead. Now, He's passed he? away. Yep. Yeah. And, uh, and I've never done this since. But I bought uh, every book he had. He had like seven books available, and one was called The Christian Love Story, and um, and it was about the the Jewish uh, wedding ceremony, and uh, and so I bought all the books, and once I bought all the books, I I got them, I began to study it, and it began to completely change my perspective. And the Lord gave me instruction in this vision I had of part of what my life's responsibility was going to be, and. Um, and uh, and so I went back to university. I changed my degree from speech communications to Middle Eastern history, and began uh, a journey towards where I'm at today. So my so mine happened kind of like a, through a kind of like almost like a divine intervention. God just gave me a vision, spoke to me, and changed the way I thought. I'm not telling the whole vision here because, like I said, it's very special. I only shared it 
at special times. So, uh, but it was a supernatural act from myself that caused me to, to change. So, mine's very simple. Mine was, you know, I ran into you, <laughs> and we we just started talking. I started listening, and I, and it the thing that always made sense to me. It even made sense in seminary. I just didn't want to take Hebrew at the time. Mm-hmm. If you start reading it, yeah. And start reading the book in in its original language, mm-hmm, and you start understanding what was being said. Uh, you know, you got to change your view. Yeah, points absolutely because you're going to butt heads mm-hmm. with a lot of uh, you know the new Christian theology that is out there, and and uh, you know I hate to tell Southern Baptists this, but you got a lot of it wrong. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. It's the truth. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you keep trying to downplay Christ and that he was a Jew. Yeah. You I mean, that's, you cannot downplay that no, part you can't. of it. Right? You cannot. You just cannot. If and, you try, you'll err. Yeah. It's that simple. We, we said this a couple of weeks ago. When people put out saying, who is the most famous Jewish person you know, they go all over the place, but they never seem to mention Jesus yeah. because they've lost that, that connection to his Jewishness. Yeah. And it forms our faith. We well, are the Judeo-Christian look people. Look at the movies. Uh, look at, uh, you know, the pictures. He's a white guy. Come on. Yeah. He wasn't <laughs> yeah. a white guy. No. He, he was wasn't Middle some Eastern. cracker that just happened to wake up and find himself in Judea sometime. Right. You know, he's he, Middle Eastern. He's a Jewish and, and guy. As a career, he spent his time outside under the sun. Um, he was much, much darker than yeah. we are. Yeah, so. yeah. I mean, he was he was a Jew. Yeah. 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 I mean, I, that's one of my claims to fame is that my church i attend to now is we did a, a a study with steve on a lot of the things about jewishness and uh, my big sign said jesus was a jew <laughs> <laughs> you'd be surprised how many people that does shock yeah <laughs> takes them by surprise yeah. all right let's take a break what we got we got more coming your way we got questions you got a question eight two three oh nine six five all right one other part of this triple question we've done the part about me we did the prior about us how about uh i really appreciate the show how you guys seem to be in such agreement i was wondering are there any areas that you disagree with each other and if so would you share them yeah we we chatted uh, briefly about this um before we came back on uh, air and uh, i don't i'm sure there are areas that we do have uh disagreements we we haven't really discussed them with any uh, yeah, any uh, detail. I and the statement I made was, you know, our our walk with God is meant to be progressive. Mm-hmm. Um, I should know more about God this year than I did last year. My relationship be, should be closer, and therefore, um, some of the things that I held to be true a year, two years, five years, ten years ago, um, I, I may not. I, I may have a different view on today. So I can't even say that I agree today with everything I agreed with a year ago or five years ago. Um, so I, I am certain there are some differences in where we are in our walk and therefore the, the things that we believe. Uh, I will say that when it comes to the core truth, the things that we hold as close handed issues that um, as far as I know, we are, we are perfectly in agreement over those things. I'm sure there are some things about halakha, um, how we walk out our individual walks um, that we disagree on. But part of the beauty of, Understanding the Bible the way we do, understanding this walk the way we do, is that we understand and accept the fact that my walk does not have to look like and will not look like Scott's walk, which will not look like Steve's walk, which will not, et cetera, et cetera. And that's okay. 
Uh, and it's, I think it's that last part that a lot of people have a hard time getting past. Mm-hmm. Uh, they'll recognize that someone else is not doing it the same way they're doing it, but that becomes a problem for them. I think for most Christians, they believe that unity must imply uniformity. Right. And it's, that's a good point. Right. Because it's not the same. It's not. It does not mean the same. I mean, we all have children, and we all know our children are different, every single one of them. And they live out their lives differently, but that does not change their status in the family. It does not make them not a part of who we are. It does not mean they don't come to our celebrations. But the the way they walk out being an Ellswick or the way they walk out being a Miller or a Stewart is, is, is different. But that doesn't stop them from being Ellswick, Miller, or Stewart. And I don't yeah. know why that's so hard for people to understand. People All get in the flesh. Just check out the, the New Testament and, and when the Gentiles came on oh, yeah. board. Yeah. yeah. Well, and I, I know think, it was a big problem. I think yep. part of it is uh, I, I talked about um, biblical ignorance. I think part of it is biblical ignorance. Um, part of it is as long as I surround myself by people who think exactly the way I do, I don't have to worry about being challenged, mm-hmm. right? Um, I don't have to worry about having to defend what it is I believe because here are a whole bunch of other people who believe the same thing I do. And rather than trying to examine my core beliefs uh, with whether or not those are right, I just push anyone who doesn't agree away. All right. Got these guys are getting so much better. Did you notice that on Facebook? I did oh. this and then he shut up. All right, time for the news. All right, back for the final uh, half of uh, this hour. It goes so fast when these guys are with me. Uh, this is the Bible guys. Remember, when you want to ask a question, uh, you can call during the show, 823-0965, 823-0965. However, it, it's kind of interesting. It seems like a lot of people don't want to ask biblical or religious questions on air because somebody just might recognize my voice uh, but the bottom line is you'd be surprised nobody most people unless you got a very distinctive voice are not going to ever recognize that you're asking the question but if you feel uh that you want an answer but you don't want to be on the air then just bible guys email us bible guys at salem s-a-l-e-m lr that's one word dot com and it gets here that's how these questions today came up i like this next question i i like to watch one of my favorite channels is the science channel Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. now i watch it and i laugh at (laughs) the audacity of scientists that sit and say this caused this and this caused this and they get back to the very beginning and they go well, this happened, and it's like, well, why did that happen, right. and where did that matter come from that you're talking about? And uh, they never deal with that part of sure. it. Sure. So here's the question. With the recent photos capturing a black hole in space, do you believe God has a purpose for all of the stars, galaxies, etc.? First of all, a black hole is the most gravity that you can ever have. It will suck up everything around it. Even light. All right, yeah, even light. And if you believe what they'll tell you, uh, all the scientists will tell you, at the end of the age, space will be nothing but a series of black holes and everything else will be gone. Mm -hmm, Mm -hmm. There'll be nothing. So... I could preach a sermon on that, well. to be honest with you. You know, it sounds like hell to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm just saying, you know, you nothingness. Go. So bottom line, what do you guys think? Well, I, and really, I'm, I don't know 
exactly how these two things are connected. Yes, uh, the the recent picture we had of Andromeda, I believe it was the black hole at the center of Andromeda, which is one of the largest supermassive black holes we have in our galactic neighborhood, if you will. Uh, and it's a beautiful picture. Um, but as far as uh, the stars, the sun, the moon, um, Genesis 1, 14, 15, 13, 14, somewhere in there, it's pretty clear about why God created these things. He created them to give us night and day, to give us signs, and to give us seasons, or the Moedim, uh, for us to know when to uh, enact his feasts. I mean, the the way we know when this month started, Nissan started, is because the moon showed up. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yes, I believe every star that, that was created out there, I believe everything God, God is a God of order and pattern. Um, he doesn't just do things randomly. Um, it, it has a purpose, absolutely. Yeah, and I think that, um, you know, the Bible even says that the um, that the heavens speak, and I think that... Um, there are those who've actually seen the gospel written in the stars and uh, had communication. We know that God used celestial bodies to herald the arrival of the Messiah. So um, we know that there's going to be celestial bodies doing certain things towards the end of time right. as well. So uh, I think they're all there at his uh, design and his command place exactly where they're supposed to be. And I'm sure then that means that the black hole has some type of uh, significance for him. I don't think I could comment as to exactly what that is. I don't think I'd necessarily know but he certainly put it there it didn't just uh, appear all by itself uh, now what's on the other side of it i'm not really i'm not really sure but i don't think anybody knows i think i think this is with theoretical physics i think they're yep. guessing yep, yep, yep. What it, they don't know what it, what's there yeah, string theory and all that's nothing yeah, but quote educated guessing yeah, right yeah. Uh, well the uh, the black hole was originally um proposed by einstein i believe as part of his um special relativity and then proven I want to say in the 60s or 70s. It, it's a relatively new, provable concept. But it has a purpose. God created I don't know. I mean, God also created catfish to clean up the bottoms of lakes. He yeah. may have created black holes to clean up the stuff yeah. that was left over out there. I don't know. I, I don't know. But, uh, yes, it has a purpose of some sort because he created everything to have a purpose. I think it's, I think it's really interesting, though, that we can see these type of uh, type of things. Yeah. But, you know, but, you know, it's amazing how many people will try to um, – you know, I was years ago. I was in uh, I was in Buenos Aires, and I uh, was staying at a B and B. If you ever stay at a B and B, you know sometimes you might have breakfast. You might be sitting at a table with somebody you don't know, and I'm sitting down with this one guy, and he was one of France's premier quantum physicists, and uh, he basically would work two weeks out of the year and then take a two week vacation every month. That's so cool. <laughs> so so so, we're, and when he told me he was a, a quantum physicist, I said, I said, okay, this is a great opportunity. So before he could ask me what I did for a living, I asked him. I said, hey, um, could you tell me the the the, uh, the theory of the big the uh, big bang? He was, oh sure. So he kind of goes through this whole this whole spiel, which is very typical. And so I began to ask him a series of questions, and I said, uh, well, what about you know the theory of of um, of uh, the conservation of angular momentum. And I answered a few of them. So basically what I did was I asked enough questions where he kept saying, well, we don't know, well, we don't know, well, we don't know. And eventually he got to the point where he leaned over the table and he says, honestly, we don't know anything. Yep. And I said, I beg your pardon? I'm guessing. And he said, we don't really know anything. He said, in quantum physics, he said, as soon as you think you've solved something, he said, within four to six weeks, we disprove it. And I said, but what's your saying you figure out is now in the textbooks and the kids in school are learning what you know is not true and his response was say la vie that's yep. life yep. Yeah. and i said so they're, they're learning inaccurate information he said yes he said but we don't know anything yeah. now that's before he knew i was a pastor 
And so I never got – he actually never asked me, so I was safe. But if he would have found out I was a pastor ahead of time, I think his answers might have been been a little bit more, uh, you know, obscure. I forget who the famous astrophysicist was, but he had a saving knowledge of Christ. And he said the reason he got there is – he says you climb this mountain and you're climbing it and climbing it and climbing it and climbing it and trying to prove this and prove that – and then you get to the top, and there's God again. Yep. Yep. <laughs> At some point, we come to, and something supernatural happened. Right. And, and that's your God, whatever it is. Uh, if you want to follow the, the science track back, you eventually get to an unexplained single point of massive energy and mass, which exploded to create everything. Well, congratulations. There's your God. Yeah. This, this was something supernatural that happened. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't believe... In order to be, I detest intellectual dishonesty. You just have to know that about me. Part of why I got to where I am today is because I could not, and this is going to sound really judgy, and I'll apologize in advance, I could not accept the intellectual dishonesty that I saw in a lot of modern day church. Um, kind of led me out of those to find my own path. Um, God made me uncomfortable enough in those situations that I was willing to walk my own path. The theory of evolution, the theory of the Big Bang, there are reasons these things are still theories um, rather than settled science. Uh, By the way, the moment you hear theory, that means it is not settled science. Uh, Part of the scientific method is that something is reproducible and observable. Mm -hmm. We can't reproduce or observe the Big Bang. We have never witnessed macro evolution. There's a difference between micro and macro evolution. These things are not settled science, and they violate most of the known rules of physics. Period. It it didn't happen that way. I'm sorry. It's intellectual dishonesty to say that we still believe those things to be scientific fact. It it simply cannot be. I agree. I'll step off my soapbox now. Bottom line, I have a finite mind. I cannot understand an infinite God. There you go. When we create, when we launched the Hubble t- telescope, they found out that 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 uh, the, the universe is expanding, which means it has a beginning. Mm-hmm. If it has a beginning, then something had to start it. And you cannot have something out of nothing. Although theoretically, in theoretical physics, they'll try to tell you that you can. And that's where th- string theory and stuff comes up with. Mm-hmm. But the reason why there is the Big Bang and string theory and multiverse and all this is because scientists don't agree. Right. They don't agree how we got here, which means, as Billy was saying, it's not settled science. Yeah. And guess what? I don't know it all. I don't claim to know it all. That's where faith comes in. There you go. There, has, there always has to be room for doubt, because without room for doubt, I had a, I had a friend 20 there's years no ago. belief if there's no right. room for doubt. He said, if God really exists, why doesn't he just show up and hit me in the head with a baseball bat until I submit? And I went, because there's no, if God shows up physically to you and bullies you, there's no room for faith because there's no room left for doubt. Yeah, that's right. Uh, and God's never going to do that. He's a gentleman. It's, it's your option. Yeah. In the beginning, God. In All the right. beginning, God. Yeah. Guess what? We've got to take a break. All right. All right. When we come back. We're going to talk about the Feast of Passover and Resurrection Sunday. We're going to get into that here in just a moment on the Dave Ellswick Show. All right, we're down to the final segment of the Bible Guys for this week. It has gone exceedingly fast. Always. Did we tra- Did we like travel at the speed of light doing this well, this yeah, hour? Well, there you go. We went fast. We went fast. It was interesting watching Science Channel last night, and they were talking about that and how there was – way that you could go faster than even the speed of light mm-hmm. which i was trying to comprehend and i was losing them they were way over me uh we just celebrated the feast of passover mm-hmm. some did 
and yeah. Resurrection Sunday. Everybody did. Yeah. Okay. Uh, in John's Gospel, 1923, when the soldiers placed uh, Yeshua on the cross, they took his clothes and they divided into four parts, but they didn't take his coat. They gambled over it. Could the cutting of the cloth, uh, the clothes in the four parts represent the four cups of Passover, sanctification, deliverance, redemption, praise? I'm not saying that is what it symbolizes, but is it possible? Or maybe it has to do with the four feasts, with which uh, Yeshua celebrate. Okay, when we're saying Yeshua, make sure everyone's in, that's Jesus in English, basically. Um, I could be way off in left field, but we know that everything was done for a specific purpose. Your thoughts? Or are we getting into the weeds I, and maybe trying no, to no, apply no, no. something um, where it doesn't belong? So the good Jewish answer here is yes. Um, and maybe. How you like that? Yeah. Um, I think part of the problem, and I'm, I'm going to address the underlying um, thing that I see there that I, I deal with a lot, honestly, as people start asking questions, is that people are often looking for a correct answer because that's the way we're trained in school. You look for a correct answer, and it's the reason Greek. we yeah. – yeah, right. It's it's the well, – we talk about the difference between uh, Greek logic and Hebrew logic. Um, and if God has – spoken to you and you have seen the cups in those four pieces of cloth then congratulations for you yes you draw meaning from them that way um is that the one correct answer um probably not but i don't know that there is one correct answer i think it probably has more to do uh, at least from my point of view in the fact that there's a prophecy that um a portion of his clothes wouldn't be that they would that they would gamble for them so to make for that prophecy to be to come to pass, if they just gambled for all of his clothes, it wouldn't have been significant at all. If they had torn up all of his clothing, then you wouldn't have the prophecy come to pass. There needed to be a difference here for it to be to stand out. Um, so I think that probably had more to do with it than anything else. Different opinion? No, I would agree. I think that it, it had firmly to do with the uh, with the understanding of the well of having the prophecy be fulfilled. I think that he was. It describes his uh, garment. I think what he was wearing, what it sounds like, he was wearing a priestly robe. Right. Um, and so he was fully prepared to enter into the, the, the Melchizedekian priesthood as he, uh, as he was. As a matter of fact, even after he rose from the dead, the Bible says that he lifted up his hands and he blessed his disciples before he left. It's the first time we ever see him doing that. And I think when he lifted up his hands and blessed them, I think he spoke what we call the ironic blessing mm-hmm. where he spoke out the priestly blessing over them fully functioning as a priest. Spock wasn't even around. He wasn't yet. even around. Um, but um, yeah, if you're watching on, on Facebook, we hold, they, hold, they would have held their hands like this, Spock's uh, greeting. Um, but um, as far as the uh, the four cups, I, I personally don't see the exact uh, correlation there. But you know what? As uh, Billy was saying, God can bring illumination and revelation to you through anything like that. And if God's given you something related to the four cups, then I think that's uh, really cool. But I wouldn't I wouldn't say that's the definitive reason why it was done. I think it was done because they had to cast lots for his garments, and um, which they did. Right, and I will. I will. I have done this before, and I'm not. So I'm not speaking directly to you here um, in advising caution. But part of how people end up going right down the street and creating an, a new church is that they have some revelation with the, like this, some illumination. I will separate the word revelation from illumination here. Um, they see something, uh, light falls in something, and they gain some significance from them, uh, from it, and they want everybody to see it that way. And because where they're currently at doesn't see it that way, they go down the street and start a new church. Um, your illumination and my illumination, your opinion and my opinion can be different, and we can still walk in fellowship. Um 
just because God has blessed me uh, by revealing something to me, shining light somewhere in some corner and allowing me to draw um, some faith from that does not necessarily mean that I need to start excluding everyone who also doesn't see it that way. We can walk together in unity without agreeing on everything. There you go. That's I think we talked about that while we were That's where we started. Yeah. <laughs> All right, so Full circle. With that said, we were talking about something during the break, or you were talking about it, uh, Scott. I happened to walk in and hear you talking about it. And we were talking about the ark mm-hmm. up there in northern Kentucky, yep. just down the way from Cincinnati and Ohio. I happened to get to go to that last year, and i got to say, it's very, very cool. It is cool. One of the big, big arguments that is that happens amongst Christians, even, is new earth, old earth. Mm-hmm. You know, you've been taught, probably, and if you've gone to public school, that the earth is billions of years old. Is that true? All right. Many of us don't believe that. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, with that, in case you can go up and you see the ark and they got some answers for maybe things that you've heard. But you said that over at the school... Mm-hmm. At Agape, you guys try to start preparing your older students for the attack that they'll get from the secular educations that they'll probably undergo. Yeah, it's not it's not at our school; it's at the church. Well, at the church, uh, okay. Yeah, yeah our youth group. Um, one thing that we want to do because the statistics are very are very high for the children who lose their faith in the first uh, yeah. the freshman year at university. I mean, I think it's over over seventy yeah. percent. So, um, what we have endeavored to do is to train our children in apologetics, and apologetics is basically to defend the faith. And so, we put them through, uh, we train them, we teach them in uh, in basically all the, the attacks we know are going to come at them. Um, the kids will get to uh, role play the uh, attacks. They'll be able to rehearse the information, the education. And uh, one of the things we did was we sent them up to the ark uh, last year. And so we're going to be sending up our kids who are about to go into high school. We'll send them up every year so that they will be able to um, learn how to uh, defend the faith. And that, that's a that's a lost art. I mean, I mean, my goodness, this used to be a, just a, a part of how you lived your life. You right. learned to defend what you believed because the enemy is going to bring a, attack. It's got to be more than scripture based. I, I just. I'm going to you, be honest about if you're going to if you're going to argue with someone who does not, and then that's one of the things. If you, you're going to talk to someone who number one doesn't believe the Bible and doesn't believe in God, then you can quote a scripture, and they're going to say, "I don't want to hear that. I want to argue with something else." So right. you have to be able to argue. They'll say, "Let's in argue their arena. facts." Yeah, right. Yeah. And if, and that's great because if you argue facts, they've got nothing to stand that's on. That's right. So, um, and so, but you have to learn how to how to pivot in those type of situations. And we're trying to teach our kids how to good. how to pivot. You know, If you can use the Bible, then you can praise God for that. But some people who won't accept it, then you have to figure out, okay, what's your language? Is it science? What's your language? Is it, is it uh, you know, metaphysics? What, do, what, is your, what is your language? Then learn how to speak the language of the person you're talking to. And then, but also learn how to ask questions. People say, well, are all religions the same? And they'll t- attack like that. And, of course, your response should be something like, uh, what makes you ask that? And you don't have to answer every question. Right. Thrown at you. Learn how to pivot and say. Learn how to ask your question have, back. Have, have you studied? How many languages have you? How many religions have you actually studied? Well, uh, and I but, heard. Well, well, yeah. Then That's it comes back. Most of it comes back to well, I heard someone said. So you don't really have a position. So we just try to teach them how to defend their faith and how to you know how to how to pivot. 
Yeah. And um, and we believe it's important. So, Billy, you've not been up to the ark yet? I have not. you got to go. not been up there yet. Number one, I don't think people realize exactly. And t- that thing's built to the specifications of the Bible. Yep. And you stand there and you look at it and you go, no wonder it took so long. Yeah. 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 I'm just massive. saying, it's massive. Yeah. Yeah. It's Huge. massive. Yeah. So you got Noah and, and uh, three boys, and that's um, they're going to build that thing. And, you know, yeah. I always say, probably didn't smell real good. No. no. Yeah. <laughs> you put all those animals in there, it probably didn't smell real good. And it had nothing to do with what they said about Noah in the latest movie. Oh, gosh. Saying, don't, yeah. Don't go that and was see a that. terrible, terrible yeah. movie. I mean, listen, I, I, lived in, I lived in Switzerland for a while, and uh, Switzerland, you know, you have, it reeks, well, you, you smell a lot of cow manure, uh, but you know what? After a while, Dave... You just don't smell it anymore. Yeah, you yeah. used to, don't you? <laughs> you used to it. So, um, so yeah, I've lived on farms most of my life. I don't know that I ever got used to that. So <laughs> the only maybe thing, that's the reason I moved back in the city. Maybe the, the only thing wrong. I never yeah. got used to was pig farms. Yeah. Oh, Lord have yeah. mercy. They it is a special stink. kind of stink. Yes, it, it is. is. And you go down the southern part of Indiana and cross the southern part of the state, folks, there are times it will take your breath yeah, away. Really. Yeah, you know what really got me one time I was in uh, I was in uh, Kansas and we're driving into town to go visit a friend of mine and it was the worst stench I'd ever smelt and it was a slaughterhouse. Oh yeah, and they burn blood. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and the thought came to me: Is this what it smelled like in Jerusalem, with burning blood yeah. and burning flesh? Because I was yeah. like, it was just it was it was it was a such a distinct smell. It is. It is, and um, it was very off putting. You know, I'm, I'm I know that the Lord wants me to do a life group in the fall mm-hmm. all right i don't have a firm grasp on what he wants me to do but uh and i and part of it is maybe something from the school mm-hmm. the other part being just what you talked about maybe apologetics because that is what when i went to seminary yeah that's where i wanted to be all the time wait you wanted to learn how to argue really well is that what <laughs> yeah, i'm hearing i, wanted, I mean, to, uh, i wanted to be i wanted to know the truth. Yep. Yeah. So did they, did I, they teach apologetics yeah. there? Yeah, oh, yeah. They did. Okay. Dr. Bush uh, was one of the best apologetics guys I've ever done. And I, I, I loved what what he taught. And then I got to know Geisler and, and a lot of other people yeah. through those guys. Well, there's there's some really uh, really good guys out now uh, that uh, you can uh, that you can follow as well. It's got some good stuff going on. Yeah. It's working. We're out yeah, of we're time. Moving forward. There we go. We're out of time. Tell people what's the, what's the website? aclr.org that's right. our church that's where you find everything else and you can also can you go there and find out about the school yes you can all right there you go you don't have time to say anything else see you tomorrow two o'clock three-star general michael j flynn head of the pentagon intelligence agency knew all the government's dirty secrets he was one of the most respected generals in the military flynn knew what the intel world had been up to he understood its funding he ordered the first audit of the use of contractors this set off alarm bells the explosive new documentary flynn deliver the truth whatever the cost and covers the facts behind this scandal flynn told the truth he was the most dangerous person for donald trump to hire i find out the worst enemy that i'm going to face in my life is right here in america they took my assessment and they wanted me to change it i was like i'm not changing it they had to get rid of flynn 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.